Watcha 24 24 Podcast 24 24 hours in a day We're gonna dedicate at least two of those to a podcast I just rhyme day with day That's how we roll We got the bass We got the acoustic guitar We got the voice It's sort of a voice It's like this Surprised me there, sorry. Oh, oh. oh was, there another, was, there, was there another verse coming? No. <laughs> <laughs> You're lucky I've got one verse. G- give us that low B mark. Oh. <laughs> Lickety split. Like the great Anthony Kiedis says, lickety split. <laughs> Hello all. Good evening. How are we doing? We good? I don't know when you're listening. Good morning, good afternoon, whenever it is. But um, thanks for joining, tuning in again. Once again, it's been a while. I'm, I'm just I'm just looking. Hold on. Oh, June what? the 30th was the last one. It's now... June 30th. It is now September the 26th. How many months is that? Three? <laughs> <laughs> some people some, some people do one a week. What was what going on? <laughs> now... We're busy human beings, and that's the bottom line. Um, but I tell you what, let's get to it. And do the introduction, Mr. A. Okay. Um, well, my name's Mr. A. <laughs> uh, joined as ever by the wonderful Carl. Thank you. Uh, and our special guest for this evening is Mark Jones from Jones Space. Hello, Mark. Hello. How you doing? Yeah, good. Good. Nice. Good. Thank you for coming and joining us in the pod. My pleasure. And for bringing that wonderful instrument we just heard. Yes. It's a looker. Thank you. Yeah. It's, um, well, you, firstly, I've got to ask you what, do you, what do you make of the lodge? Wooden. <laughs> it's a lot of wood. Yeah. It's, it's a, a lot, lot of wood in here. <laughs> no, Wooden Lego. So, yeah, building guitars and joinery is, is obviously closely related. <clears throat> oh, that's a creaky, that's a creaky pole you've got there. <laughs> Sorry about that. That's me. Can you might want to set a line again? I was moving my creaky pole. <sighs> I'm kind of looking at these and wondering how many... Bass wings I could get out of the joints. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so do, do you look at trees now and just think engage in terms of bass guitars? So that's how it all started. <clears throat> when I was a kid, driving, this is honestly true, driving down the street, looking at stumps at the side of the road or looking at um, any kind of piece of tree or, or something and just thinking, I wonder if I could make a guitar out of that. And it, and it, was, it was guitars from youth, was it? Because like, I used to see logs... And me and my mate used to be into Bruce Lee a bit. And I used to think, oh, I wonder if I can make a Wing Chun dummy out of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's all timber. But like, but it's always been guitars for you, is it? Yeah, I guess so. So I suppose, yeah, really, making guitars has been, it's a weird one. But I suppose I, ne- I could never have the instrument I wanted because it was too expensive. Fair enough. So it was how do I get the closest thing? And this was at a really young age. So I started learning guitar when I was six. And my uncles were in a quite a big band in, in the Midlands and um, 
they had all these pointy 80s guitars, you know. Was it a metal band, 80s metal? Uh, well, they weren't metal. They were more like New Romantics. Oh, okay. But they went into kind of mid-80s as kind of bit bit of a crossover. And, um, yeah, just being a like, six-year-old boy and having this kind of pointy metallic red guitar, it was like, what is this? <laughs> it's like something from space. That's what I was going to say. It's a spaceship. Yeah. <laughs> and um, my brother was a professional musician as well. So that's how I started. And then um, <clears throat> it all came about just through watching those guys play and my brother playing and then just thinking about how I could get that thing that I wanted that I couldn't obviously afford in the in the shops because I was six or seven years old. So, yeah, I was, was picking guitars up at um, boot sales and taking them apart. Wally's. Yeah, okay. You know, the music shop, Wally's. Yeah, yeah, yeah Wally's. Wally's. Where's yeah, that? where is that now? Um, well, are we talking the one up... In Britain. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, I know, yeah, yeah. What was the other one as well? Up in um, St. Mary Street on the end, which oh, had gr- grates yeah. on it. That always had cheap, yeah. nasty mm. guitars in it. And bass <laughs> these, and are, these were like 70s catalogue get guitars. So they were plywood and stuff oh, like right. that. Yeah, you know, yeah, really yeah, yeah, nasty. Yeah. But yeah, just picking them up, trying to take them apart, which I found out later my uncle had always done as a kid as well. All right. So, yeah, it seems like it's hereditary. <laughs> <laughs> it's a disease. It's a disease. My, my, my brother's my brother's amazing. He was like a child prodigy, grade eight at the time of, when he was twelve. Um, <clears throat> classical guitar, and he he um, he's n- no interest in it. No, he plays what, guitar. Like the guts of it. Yeah, no interest. Doesn't care about you know building guitars or he just them wants together. to play. Just just wants, yeah. Well, it's a bit like they say about teachers, isn't it? Like those that can't teach. Mm. I was always that guy. <laughs> so I obviously can't play, so I build. So maybe that's me. Oh, I don't know. That's well. No, but that's good because we're, I think it's well, that's what makes the world go round. Without guys like you, the other guys don't get to play them. So you know what I mean? It's it's, it's a nice thing, isn't it? But um what would you see so you're saying six that you started collecting guitars and cutting them up and Six was Taking when the I, pickups out and all that. And that's when I first started playing. We had a guitar teacher around the corner, actually, in North Baddersley. Classical player called Mike Hines. Brilliant classical jazz, um, jazz player who just played nylon string. And he taught um, us both at Wyvern School in Fair Oak, where we lived. And then my brother went on and on and on and did all his grades. And I just wasn't as good as my brother. So just sat in the background playing bass. Oh, there you go. Um, and singing. That's a, that's a common tale, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> But, um, you know, I, I do play guitar. I love guitar. Yeah. I absolutely love it. But yeah. um, it was just, yeah, it was just, I don't know. I just all, all I can say is the relationship between what I do, building guitars and more basses, is, is, is that it, it's wood. And I think the first time, and I think you'll probably relate to this, the first time I ever thought about creating something, an instrument, was when I first saw like a Warwick thumb bass right. in yeah. the flesh. Beautiful, right. yeah. Because it was it was just ergonomic and yeah. it was rounded and it looked like it had grown out the ground. Yeah. And I just thought, what is that? Like, yeah. how do I make that? Like, how, and I've tried so many times to design a guitar that looks like it's grown out the ground. Yeah. Mm. But it's impossible. <laughs> so hard. <laughs> just ends up back at Warwick. Like, but, yeah, the first time I saw they it. They nailed it, the bastards. Yeah. First time I saw one in the flesh. Um, it was just it, the, the, the curved back, you know, the, the yeah. roundness of the horn and the, the shape. I was just, yeah. just, just. I had a um, related. I had a, um, a blonde FNA mm. with a solid humbucker right in the center with a P bass sort of yeah, position. Yeah. And there's one bass I wish I had never sold because mm. I, I still search for it now. And I found another one now in Germany 
I keep looking at it, it's on eBay. I went 800, 800 quid for it and I'm not going to do it. But it's like, <laughs> I'd love, you know what I mean? I wish I'd never got rid of it because the that sheer- That was my dream base for ages, yeah. F&A, yeah. Beautiful. It, this was a affinity. I sold it for some money and to a shop, just part exchanged it. And then they found out that it was actually a mismake or something. There was something wow. wrong with it. The wrong timber had been used on the on the laminate or something for, on the front. And um and I think I got six hundred quid for it. And they just next next three days later I went in the shop and it was up for seventeen nine nine. I was gutted. Well, because, because it was a rare. Because it was a rare. Yeah, it's I, like when you get a Beatles album with yeah. a misprint on the something or other. This is it. it. I've heard the opposite story of that. Like my, I had the Washburn six string that I got from my uncle's musical exchanges in Birmingham. The shop, my uncle's shop, and um, I just loved the thing, but I couldn't play it. I was too young, and it was amazing bass, but. Um, I took the frets out because I wanted a six string fret because because uh, Les Claypool had one. Les Claypool, of course. And um, <laughs> I I, I, uh, I ended up um, totally wrecking this guitar because I was just trustworthy happy at the time. I was just like yanking on the trustworthy, trying to get the action as low as possible. And um, anyway, it ended up in parts in my garden for about a year <laughs> through all the seasons. My cousin, my cousin's a bass player, the he- uh, head of music at Ferrum College. Okay, and. Um, he picked it up, put it back together and sold it to Wally for like 600 quid as part exchange. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he rubbed it in my nose for ages. He was like, the bass was in your garden for a year. Getting rained on. <laughs> oh, but yeah, that was, that was, I mean, the amount of times I've done that. So I bought, I remember buying a Fender Jazz um, and just trying to tweak the truss rod, snap the truss rod bolt right off. I had it about three days, brand new. Oh. And then I rung my uncle, like, when my dad in tears. I was about 12. And um, I was like, Dad, I've broken the it's face. In, is that impatience, isn't it? I don't know what it was. was it? Cause it like, it's one of those things where... Isn't it supposed to be... Because I'm not... I tinker. Obviously not to the standard I can see you guys, but I tinker. But I'm like, I'm impatient. And I... If I haven't got the right drill bit to do the job, yeah, I just oh, yeah. use the one that I've got anyway. Yeah, yeah. Or, and I shouldn't do that. You know what I mean? I'm you learn the lesson. And you, yeah, and yeah. You should, you know, quarter turn, leave yeah. it for a while. Leave for a day. Turn, <laughs> leave for a day. I ain't got that sort of time. <laughs> well, it was that. It, it was that, but it was it was probably that. It was probably the wrong bit. But it was also the fact that, you know, they say like a bad workman always blames his tools. Yeah, and I was probably it. trying to get that premium bass out of a, you know, Japanese or American Fender Jazz, which wasn't possible. Because mm-hmm. they don't make them to be played like a, a Federa or a Ken Smith or something. It's it, they make them to be just battle ready. You know, yes. so these are like precision jazz instruments or whatever, and that uh, and that's like a stadium rock precision mm-hmm. bass or something. You know, which you get. I mean, all, all the time you hear all the time. I remember Geddy Lee. He was playing a a wow a wow wall. Yeah, and he he, he always plays a jazz. But um, I mean, the the world was like a studio bass. It's what Flea used on Bud Sugar Sex Magic, right. even though I, I had my whole career thinking it was a Stingray. Um, you I know, remember he, that story. He went out and bought, he panic bought two, didn't he? Or something yeah. just before the album. And, well, two walls. Yeah, apparently. Oh my God, I, wish so. I, I wish I could afford to panic yeah, buy two walls. <laughs> about seven grand each. Again, we are talking about the same guy who just couldn't sell his house in time. For eight million to buy a thirteen million one, so we just bought the thirteen million one first, and then sold the eight million one later on. That Neil Young used to live in. You know what I mean? That's just, you know what I mean. But Amazing. What I love about Flea is he said once when he was a kid he'd scrimp and save, kind of like we all have to get like exactly what you're talking about. Essentially, you'd scrimp and save to buy the best quality bass you could. You know what I mean? And then and now that he's got more money, he's got money to burn. You know, he's get 
gets given the shit for free mm. just so that other guys you know what i mean it's, mm. it's a very unfair world i quite like the way he produced his yeah. cheap bass so that you know you could get loads of people playing it and stuff but um that was the biggest that's that for me that's the biggest like hooded veiled secret in bass history that it wasn't a stingray on blood sugar sick yeah. yeah in fact i mean I help out another podcast, Hello Other Podcast, Universally Speaking, the Red Hot Chili Peppers podcast. <clears throat> um, and I, I went in into the garage to do a podcast episode and talk about Flea. So I read up about Flea's gear. He re- didn't really use the Stingray on a lot. Mm. Maybe like one album. He's a yeah. GNL, I think, on the next one because he had the ASAT, the gold ASAT. You know, the- yeah, the one before was a Spectre. Mother's Milk was on a Spectre. Yeah. Was it? And then he um, had the yeah. Modus. Yeah, oh, the modulus, yeah, the modulus, modulus, that's, modulus. Yeah, that's right. Them, yeah. And it's actually, his most, next. his most used bass has been a jazz bass because he's used it yeah. since Stadium Arcadium, I think, pretty much, maybe, by the way. The pink reissue yeah. 60, whatever it is. So really, I mean, he uses a Stingray a lot live, and that's something you know, he's seen Well, that, that the was the point, actually, because the wild bass, not like this one, but the Mark One bass that I produce is a filter-based preamp. So it's, it's exactly when you did the review of it, kindly, it was a... It's um it's a studio bass ultimately. Mm. It does everything at every frequency, so it can it's just the perfect instrument for a for a producer. And that was what the wild was, filter based preamp. And yeah. um obviously when Geddy Lee was trying to play with it live, he couldn't because it was too versatile. Like it, you'd you'd flick a switch by mistake and you'd be on a sub bass territory. You know? yeah. <laughs> Whereas the the jazz was just up and down, yeah, three bang, knobs. Go, yeah. And uh, it's the same with the precision. Like people always go back to the simple instruments because it's just so much easier to navigate on a gig i'll be honest that's where i'm that's where i go as much as i've, I've got um my main bass is a tobias growler mm. which has got a massive preamp in it you know what i mean the bartolini humbucker and it's got the uh, stacked pots and everything but i've literally got everything dialed up and then snapped off <laughs> that's my sound you know what i mean and it's like because otherwise i will fiddle forever yeah and it's uh you know what i mean and that in the nature of the music i want to produce and i'm still trying to produce I don't need that mm. fiddly. I just need to smash in, crash in. Yeah, I think it depends. Like, you know? I mean, when I'm making an instrument, I've kind of got two, and like, I always think of the um, the Mark One, so the one that Aiden was looking at as a kind of. It's to me, it's like the grand piano of basses, yeah. and I don't mean that in the sense that I'm being sort of flippant. It's just the tone is so clear. It it sounds like you're hitting a, a key on a piano, it's so glassy. Yeah, yeah it's and like... and that's I always wanted an instrument like that because Jimmy Johnson. The, the session player plays with James Taylor and Lou, um, Lou Retner and Spec- Spectrum, I think. Loads of bands. Um, but mainly James Taylor has the Alembic, um, the first ever Alembic five string, yeah. which just sounds like a grand piano. And when you hear him play it, it's the, the clarity of the B string. It just, yeah. I always wanted that. So I think I've achieved it with the with the Mark One with that kind of multi-core pickup and filter-based preamp. But the other was kind of wanted to appeal to the more um, the the more kind of jazz, you know, kind of um, virtuoso soloing players. I can't play that music, but I would if I, I, it's one of these weird things, isn't it? The music you want to play is never the music that comes out, or the, mu- <laughs> the music that comes out is the music you didn't necessarily want to produce. Like we, when I was in a band, we were pretty rub. Well, we were technically quite good, but we were pretty rubbish. No one ever liked our music because we tried too hard to produce music which we thought was good, but yeah. it wasn't the music we were wanted to play uh, which was so strange but it's the same like the, the instruments i produce and not necessarily the, the instruments i can play so i want to see, see them on kind of stage with you know john patitucci or someone yeah, like that yeah. playing a solo <laughs> and, or you know something like that rather than a, a gig watching iron maiden or something that's uh that's coming <laughs> i hope so you just gotta keep going <laughs> yeah well no but you're right in in that respect like 
you can spend and I've done it myself you can spend hours days weeks months years honing a song and people might like it or that one that just pops out in that rehearsal that one time simple little three chord or whatever is the one that everyone cheers for every gig you play you know what I mean mm. and I've, I've lived through that experienced that I think it's the it's same just, as the basses though like yeah. you, you know if I produced a, a jazz I mean I, we'll talk about something that's happening actually um so I'm a member of lots of different bass guitar forums online, just growing a a, a um a following. Yeah. And um, you know, I see these basses all day long, you know, GNL, Sadowski, um, whoever it is. Sandberg. Yeah, yeah, they're just they're all Fender, they're either a J bass or a P bass. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so I thought, well, well, similar to the same way that, you know, when you're a a, I've been making basses for years, but I really wanted to challenge myself with something. And I thought, well, what I'll do is I'll clone an instrument that is close to my heart, you know, like the Warwick Thumb or something. I did a Warwick Thumb, got okay. one at home, yeah. Okay. I've got a GNL and I've got a, a Smith BT6. Um, so I thought, I'm going to do the Smith bass and I'm just going to try and see if I can get something as close to it as possible. He sells parts. So I thought, yeah, you know, it's been quite easy to get the sound and the construction. It's just a case of can I build it? So looking at this, I mean, like you said earlier about uh, Carl Thompson, a lot of the bases on this site are the Fender copies or Carl Thompson copies. So I didn't yeah. think anything of it. Anyway, I made it, bought all the parts from Ken, signed the bridge himself, you know, and then um, sort of thought, went about making this Smith clone just as a skill set, just in the same way that young painters are taught to copy the masters. Yeah. You know, yeah. when they or, or Well, when every musician starts to playing covers, don't they? Oh, exactly. Start, yeah, you know, exactly. Jazz players learn Jacko, you yeah, know, exactly. and that goes into your vocabulary yeah and um that was what i wanted to achieve anyway i did it posted the picture and that was it dun dun, dun. fake fake ken smith came, came up posting you know this is a, this is a fake this is counterfeit and I, I looked up the definition of counterfeit and i was like making something to profit from and i'm like well i'm not trying to profit no, this is a love letter i spoke to ken loads 206 yeah, yeah, yeah. emails um you know and he, he's like um it's almost a, the ultimate tip yeah of the hat. yeah and it was it's, like this is a love letter to you yeah not selling them take my name off your bases take that you know huh. and i was like okay look i'm not selling this this is for me it's on my wall it's a love letter to smith bases and uh you know i, I learned a lot making it and um anyway the the kind of players that have responded to it are, are the kind of gospel players in the states loads of them and these guys are the, like the best of the best yeah, they're they're really, insane yeah. like they the, the tone of that instrument is 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 crying out for gospel music and it's it's just it's amazing but anyway anyway they've got a lot of support from them and you know saying things like you know well i see j basses all day or p basses you've just chosen a higher end base to mm -hmm. base model to try and replicate yeah, what's, the, what's the difference yeah so i mean ultimately this is a clone so it's identical but are a few things but um my actual models, I do two, I make two bass guitars. So I make the, um, the, the, the Mark one, which is the, 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 they're both current, they're all six strings. And the reason why they're six strings is because I thought I need to start with the extreme so that I can reverse engineer my skills back to four. Okay. Cause if I start with four, I have to then learn five and six. Oh, okay. So I thought start with six yeah. and then I'll know how to do a B and a C yeah. and get the radius of the fretboard and everything perfect. So then I can, um, you know, basically be able be confident to say, yeah, I can make a four, oh, yeah. I can make a six, you know, it's, it's, the radius is perfect. You know, the, the nut, everything. So, um, yeah, so they're both all currently sixes and the parts I've got are six for six string bases, but yeah, it was just, it was just the admission to try and, um, just master the kind of craft of it really. Like, 
Has that all been resolved now, or is there still Um, animosity? Yeah, it's a tricky one. So, I mean, basically, the uh, you'll hear you you heard the bass at the beginning. I'm not a great player, but it's um, you know, it's got that sound. Yeah, it's got a raspy cleanliness. Yeah, the sound is iconic in the bass world, especially with the gospel players, and there's a market for it. Um, but obviously, like we talked about with Wow and and even JD and all these other bases, Lembic, the wait times are so long to get them that other pe- people are looking for other options and they, they'll come to me. I've not sold a single base my whole life, but um, I, I make, I'm making them, getting there. You know, this is a journey I've started. And um, part of that journey is kind of, you know, just learning what people want and people seem to really want it. You know, they want that sound. And actually Ken Smith's pickups aren't, made in new york they're not a new york boutique base they're not a federa or okay. a uh, or a um you, you know seymour duncan or something they're made in brighton yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what then they ship them out to the states yeah it's made by kent armstrong's son aaron oh there you go <clears throat> okay oh, ken armstrong in, oh i see there you go i, didn't, I never knew that because mm-hmm. my, my one of my bases got kent armstrong pickups in i didn't know it was brighton based well there's two schools so there's a uh, as far as i know this might not be right there's a factory and then there's kent armstrong handmade Okay. So the handmade ones are like the boutique ones, and then the the, the the factory ones are the ones they knock out, which are equally good quality, but obviously they can't compare with a handmade pickup. And these are these are handmade, and you know, so I, I've basically you know I do have um, a very similar setup to to Ken's you know electrics as well. I've mm-hmm. got the pickups are pretty much um, you know they look identical, um, yet to kind of. Obviously, get a preamp that works like the, the Smith preamp. It's a Haslab preamp. They use them on Steinberg, you know, the 80s headless bases and stuff. Yeah. Um, so they're fantastic, but you can't recreate that, not without going on a mission to clone it, you know. So what I do is just go for my next base, the next thing I wanted, always wanted, which was that kind of flea sound. Because the moment I heard Blood Sugar, like all of us in this room, you know, probably, <laughs> I'm going to assume, yeah. the moment you heard Blood Sugar Sex Magic, you were like, I'm going to be a bass player for the rest yeah, of my that's life. It. Um, I'm a lot older than you guys. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like two albums previous. Yeah, to that. Yeah. <laughs> well, for me, it was, Bud, I, I was Bud Sugar Sex Magic. I was born in 1980. So it was like, it was, um, it was just that tone, you oh, know, just, uh, yeah. and it was, so anyway, the long and short of it is then um, what's the, what's the next best thing? So it's filter-based preamp, which is what the WoW uses. So, I mean, a lot of our listeners are bass players, I'm sure, but for those, who are? Could you explain what a filter filter preamp is? No. <laughs> <laughs> Learn it for yourselves. I we, don't know. We've had to. <laughs> I, 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 I honestly do not know. But I mean, when I played with it, I can tell you what it does. Um, but in terms of the electronics, I'm like an ape. I have no clue. All I know is that that's the sound that I wanted to recreate. Basically, when you have a filter based preamp, it doesn't have like a treble and a tone. It takes frequencies. As far as I know, away from the, the sound, it puts them through like a low pass filter. Okay. And basically you get like a wah wah pedal effect. Exactly. So you're not adding a treble or a bass, but you're 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 basically taking frequencies away. And essentially you get the so you get the neck and the bridge position pickups on my my bases, and then you get the ability to kind of filter out frequencies, um, which is remarkable. <laughs> it's just insane. I've got but, um I've got a Mustang bass, a little mm. short scale thing which I put a notch filter in and it's wild. It, it is like opening a wah-wah pedal. Mm. You, go f- it's, it's, you go from that sort of thin sound to that full. Yeah, oh, the bass is it's, insane. It's insanity, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, it's, and it's just on one dial and it's, 
and you can just and it's almost you know like an auto wah pedal which mm. has gone wow 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 if you if you did that with the the knob and turned it on and off on and off it mm. would give you that wow yeah. wow and it's it's a huge range it's a huge of range. frequency it's incredible it's it's like every bass and it's from a from a producer's point of view it's like every bass you can get you know because you can create any kind of sound or tone from it but um, the combination oh, is okay. where it's... Sorry, it's the cats on the podcast. Sorry oh, about that. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds, uh, Desperate, no, no, I'll let her in, hold on. It's the combination <laughs> of, of that and the pickups, which is the real thing, because they're not just... Um, they're hum- essentially what you think is a humbucker like those guys, but they're... Um, um, they're multi-coil. All right. So when you get a humbucker, like on, on these guitars on the walls, you know, the, the bridge, the P90 on the, on yeah, the yeah. neck pickup, you get a coil around the first set of um, poles and then a coil around the second set. Yeah. Whereas with multicores, you get one round each, each hole. One, I say, yeah. So it's just insane clarity just, and insane. Um, you know, the the actual response of the pickup is is is, is crazy. So it's the combination of of that and the 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 multicore pickups, which is what Wild do. So you know, trying to recreate or or get a sound. I mean, I, I honestly feel with the Mark One bass that that Aiden was demoing for me with Matt Glasspool the other the other, the other week. You really do get a kind of unique tone for that bass. It, there's nothing like it, which is amazing for me because that's why I'm shoving it down everyone's throat. Because it's <laughs> like, it. look what I've created. It sounds it sounds unique. You know, this can create, you know, multiple different things and multiple different sounds. But with this one, it's the, the one I'm pointing to on the floor. Um, is we, more... we can find photos on your Facebook. Yeah, page. yeah, okay, Jones right. bases. I shall link. Look, look underneath the, the podcast listeners. There's yeah, a link. Um, no, I remember. I will remember. And. Uh, <laughs> and um, yeah, can't remember what I was going to say. Sorry, <laughs> something. It is. Yeah, ultimately, I'm pairing that with the filter bass preamp to try and get my as mo- much as my old sound. Old I, sound I remember because Justin Chancellor from Tool plays a wall bass. Yeah, he does. <clears throat> and I saw, watched a video of him playing, and it sounded like he was using a wah pedal, but his feet weren't doing anything. And you watch his hands more closely, and he's and he's doing it on the tone control yeah. of his bass. So I tried to do it on my jazz bass, my P bass, and it just didn't sound like it no. because I didn't have the preamp. I don't have the EQ you were talking about. Yeah, because you're contouring. I think with 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 the P bass, you're you're contouring the the frequency to add treble or bass. Whereas this yeah. is totally, it's a completely different thing. So the the, the preamp is actually John East, so it's a very famous preamp maker. You know, one of the finest in the world, probably if not the finest in the world. Um, you know, he makes all the preamps for loads of people, Stanley Clark, and you know anyone that plays an Overwater. The, the, an over Overwater is ultimately the finest studio base in, in the world, if not, you know, in my opinion, not no because, English, aren't they? Yeah, they're based in the Lake District, but you see any any um, English session player, they always play Overwater because the preamp is so such such clarity. And um, like you watch Strictly Come Dancing and you get that, that's an Overwater, you know, that, this, <laughs> if anyone that doesn't groove to that, uh, you know. That, it's it, just strange because you're talking like, these are like studio bases, you know, with these this enormous clarity and all that. And then I go, I'm watching YouTube videos saying why producers um, of music are hiring guys with P bases. I, think, I, mean? it's, it's I like, think it's a bit of a trend um, because, I, I mean, I personally, I love the P bass. I love the jazz bass. I think they do a fantastic job. They're iconic, that you can't beat them. But I think there is a trend for the P bass at the moment, not just because of, um, you know, the iconicness of nature of the instrument, but since Scott Devine came about, 
you know, banging this drum about the P bass. They, they've gone through a revolution. You know, the flat wound strings, the tone yeah. rollback. I hate that sound. <laughs> I hate it. Can't stand it. Every time I hear it, I even comment on his videos. I hate your bass sound <laughs> because I hate that sound. But, you know, to me, it's like an, a, a very early evolution of the bass. So uh, I don't know why anyone would want that sound, but I get that the if I was uh, a producer for Amy Winehouse or whoever it might yeah, have been yeah. at the time, I might have wanted that tone, exactly. like a Motown tone or something, or, Motown, my, or, or a Beatles tone. Because if you listen to a violin, Hofner Hof, Hof, violin bass, I don't know if you've ever played one. Yeah, yeah, they're one, awful. Yeah. <laughs> they're like a canoe with strings. <laughs> and they sound <laughs> awful. But that was... So why are we trying to replicate something that sounded so bad? That's my opinion. And that's my opinion of the whole revolution with, uh, the, you know, the evolution of people coming back to the P bass. It's to get a retro sound, not because it's an iconic tone that's versatile in a studio. I still stick by the, you know, that you need a truly versatile instrument in a studio. However, if you want that P bass sound, you go to a P bass, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, which is, that seems to be the thing. And I know. Well, it does that one thing very well. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. That's what they've, that's what they I mean, don't get me wrong. These are, I, I mean, that is, I mean, I'm looking at Squire, but it's beautiful. Like, it's the most iconic look, the maple and the black. I mean, if I had a telly, <laughs> it would have been maple and black. There's a telly there. <laughs> There's a maple and black maple. Telly, right? And if I'd have had a bass, it would have been maple and black there. I mean, I knew I, you were coming, you see. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> the, just the, 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 um, the contrast is, is beautiful. I mean, Leo Fender nailed it. Yeah. Absolutely nailed First it. First time round. Yeah. Just totally, totally nailed it. More than Les Paul. I don't care what anyone says. Like, if you heard of a Les Paul and you do a gig with a Les Paul, by the end of the night, your back is broken. Yeah. The thing weighs a ton. They yeah. sound beautiful. They're not particularly ergonomic. They do have a carved top. You know, they're beautiful. But Leo Fender just absolutely nailed it. And um, you can't take that away. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, if it wasn't, I think my stepdad was a session player in the in 60s in London. And um, he played jazz and double bass and up um an electric bass as well but he he kind of just before the flea thing for me he gave me a marcus miller cd oh yeah and that was probably about 89 90 and it was um i think montreal jazz festival or something and that it was just what is this tone like the jazz bass you know i know it's on stereos it's an active jazz bass which i believe yeah um yeah. which i don't think they did a lot of in those days um but is that victor victor wooten tone is that Clear as glass. Yeah, yeah. So Victor, yeah. Victor Wooten uses the um, Federa. That's it. Which uses um, so that's probably a Mike Pope preamp. Which I do the Mark One, the original bass I've got does have. Actually contacted Mike Pope and asked him for his preamp and his pickups from his Federa, and he sent me them. He sent me two preamps and two sets of pickups. Right. <laughs> so at home I've got the two Federa from from the same bass. Um, and they're Seymour Duncan custom, like handmade Seymour Duncan, and then the Mike Pope preamp, which is what uh, Victor Wooden uses, uh, I think. Um, but ultimately, they're just they're they're slightly different from the jazz in the sense that they're humbuckers, I believe. Um, whereas the jazz is a single coil mm. neck and bridge. But um, yeah, it's the same same. I mean, you know, you would you'd buy a bass if it sounded like a jazz bass, wouldn't you? If you're a Victor Wooden, you'd be like, "Yep, sign me up. I have that one, please." <laughs> you know, which is weird because you don't see a lot of session players with jazz basses. You like, said less less frequently jazz bass, more frequently P bass. Yeah. But maybe it's the Scott Devine thing, like you said. I don't, I, I, I've seen a, an evolution of the P bass since he came about. You know, but his um, I subscribed to his podcast though. In his mm. last two episodes, he he He's and the other a, guy, Ken Smith or a, a, a bought, F bass, bought two Ken Smith 
Six strings. Mm. <laughs> and, so, and, and the raving about him. So can I tell you that he's got this, um, so this is the controversial thing, right? So everyone knows, everyone will Google Ken Smith, we'll find out uh, about the temperament of the man. But the uh, obviously the, the first guy, and he'll hate me for saying this, was um, to kind of really nail the, the, the Ken Smith was Vinnie Federa. So New York scene, sort of late 70s. Um, Vinny Federa was the guy on the ground making the bases and he came up with a lot of the the um the things that the Smith is famous for and obviously they found out they fell out and he went and made the Federa base but the original um Ken Smith that Scott Devine's got was made by Vinny Federa not because oh, it's an older one yeah okay interesting so yeah. it wasn't really made by Ken Smith at all albeit he probably financed it which is ultimately is legitimate and um, you know, pay for all the part, parts and everything. But um, yeah, the Luthier was was Vinny Federa, who then fell out and went to make, obviously, the probably the largest boutique bass in the world, I imagine, which yeah. is what um, Victor Wooten plays, you mm. know. So so boutique, is yeah. that, would you say that's the same as custom or is that was boutique? Like no, it's completely or, different. How, yeah. how would you define it? Um, I'd define it as a Lembic and then everything after. So the, the story is kind of pretty interesting. So Lembic was... Um, just its own beast. They were so Lembrick and other base. They're a base manufacturer out yeah. of California, I believe, and they created just the most multi-laminar instruments that are beautiful, clear, clear gloss finishes. What's you the know. term? Tabletop. Um, I'm not sure. French polished. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it's the look like we lay it down, and it's like a perfectly carved like antique bit of furniture. Oh, they're beautiful. Of... <laughs> they're the most beautiful things. And they come with a monster price as well. Oh, yeah, they do. <laughs> Stanley Clark would be the biggest. Yeah, Stanley Clark. I, yeah. I know of, yeah. Mm. Uh, J, uh, Mark King. Mark King. Yeah. yeah. Um, but ultimately that started it and then you get the, the New York scene. So then you get the other side, um, which was, um, all came, I believe, all came, so it's an interesting story. Let me see if I can remember. So, um, who was it? that designed the Spectre. It was Ned Steinberg. Okay. And he was working with um, Carl Thompson. And so Carl these, Thompson, these two names are the big names in yeah, the, base, and then in the base world, base Carl Tom- world. Yeah. And then Carl Thompson had a relationship with Ken Smith, not a particularly good one, and then Vinny Federa worked for Ken Smith. So that whole scene came out of New York in the late 70s. Um, but then the, the English guys kind of copied it. So you had all these amazing boutique bases, which were ultimately wooden tabletop bases. Like you said, they were a piece of fat furniture. Um, uh, you know, no colours, just, you know, quite nice veneering, gloss finishes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, you, then in the UK, we as we do look at what the Americans do and try and recreate. And then you have um, Wall, Wow, however you want to pronounce it, and um, uh, JD. How about and uh, Mike is BG and Bernie Goodfellow? Is he? Uh, not fair. Not, mm, yeah, Mike, Mike Lars is another one. I'm just basically I'm just reading off names from my students' faces. When I'm trying to think of. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think of particularly that time period. Oh, okay, okay. So you have um, Wall, which was. Um, I can't remember his name. His first name, his first surname was Wall. Mm. Um, but then JD were a big one. So JD were like making Alembic style bases in Birmingham, um, which um, they kind of, they sprayed this actually. They 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 did the finish on this um, T Dog Customs um, on this base on the floor here. In its case, it's not just randomly lying on the floor. <laughs> I did worry when the cat came in. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, that, so they started trying to recreate that sound. So then you had the kind of re- reverse 
thing happened where the, the English bases started to get really big again in the States as well. So the, the Wild was obviously one of the most, if you look at the price tag, it's one of the most expensive bases there are, probably largely because of that one Red Hot Chili Peppers album, I'd, <laughs> I'd imagine, um, which, you know, it deserves. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I can't think of anyone else that plays one. Geddy Lee played one. Tool. Justin Chancellor. Justin Chancellor, yeah. yeah. One of my favourite bassists ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, I was listening to the guy from Mudvayne earlier. Um, oh, yeah, Federer. Yeah. But he was playing a, uh, a Warwick. That sounded immense. Like, yeah. their tone is just wood, isn't it? Which, <laughs> well, that, yeah, because yeah, that FNA, the reason I didn't use it, the reason I got rid of it is because I was in a band at the time and the, um, it, the tone, it was too big for the band. <laughs> I started to explain it. I know you could probably turn it down, but it was just... It was just cut through everything. It was amazing, the frequency of it. And the gutted I got rid of that. <laughs> so I don't know if that... I'm going to mention that five times. <laughs> I don't know if that's... God. See, I don't know if that's the wood, you know. Well, that's what... This is one of my questions. We're talking about pickups. We're talking about in, in the electronics of a bass, the electric, whatever. How actually important is timber when it comes to... Yeah, I asked Matt this question. Did you see on the video? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the school of thought is Matt's pretty much right. So electronics will give you a really good set of electronics, pickups and preamp will give you a very good sound regardless. And like we talked about the Park Fly earlier this evening and, you know, it's a classic example of the incredible tone um, with the pizza as well with the pizza and the bridge. It was still sounded beautiful and it wasn't, you know, an organic material. Did have base with um, tone blocks, but it was ultimately a piece of plastic, I guess. Um, but tone, I mean, the, the, the best way of describing it is to get a piece of wood or get 10 pieces of wood all the same size. So a piece of Wenge, which is what the oh, yeah. Federa's, um, Warwick's use Warwick's or Paduk, what they use. And then, um, maple, um, walnut, rosewood, rosewood whatever mean. it might be, and just get them all the same size and just throw them on the floor. And the moment it hits the floor, it will make a noise, like a bit okay. of clack or a dong. And... The, the, when you hear that noise, you you ultimately know that your bass will take a characteristic from that noise. All oh, right, but it will take a characteristic from it. It won't be the defining factor. No, okay. So, like, obviously, the Fender tone is very much ash or poplar, which we call tulip, bizarrely. Um, so you know, and, and maple. So that that's the iconic tone. But then, if you listen to a a, uh, a Les Paul, it's pretty much all mahogany with a maple cap. Mm. So it, I can't really say. Although I had a conversation with Alembic about this because I one of my favourite bass players is, I keep mentioning Jimmy Johnson. He's a secession player, but he he's he's pretty middle of the road with James Taylor. You know, it's middle of the road stuff. But that gives the bass a chance to really be heard. And yeah. he he had the first five string Alembic. They made it for him. And I said to the to the, to the daughter of the main guy, you know, um, I want the Jimmy jo uh, Jimmy Johnson sound. How do I get that kind of clarity? He said, Well, you need walnut. And that's oh, right. the first thing she said. She didn't say you need our pickups. She said you need walnut. Hmm? And I thought to myself, no, no, that's not the answer I wanted. I want the pickups. <laughs> you know, I don't want the walnut. You know, and, but wrong. You know, that was the first. That was the first thing she said, and that's Alembic. Yeah, She's yeah. the head of Alembic. So okay. if you want the Jimmy Johnson sound, you want walnut. She wasn't trying to throw you off the track then. Uh, <laughs> that, that was when she gave me the price. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was two thousand five hundred dollars for two pickups. Wee. For pickups, two pickups. Yeah. Oh, God, Ow. yeah. Wow. Oh my God. Some of my more expensive bases, I've paid two and a half grand for my, I've got an Elric 
Canadian built. Yeah, thing, lovely. You know what I mean, beautiful. It's lovely. Yeah, yeah, lovely. And I've just beat the shit out of it. Like I beat everything. <laughs> you know what I mean? I've got no respect for anything <laughs> I own. But it still plays lovely, and it's. But it's. He's a great guy as well. Really funny. Is he? Oh, yeah, because no, yeah. I was look because. I was looking for a bass to replace the one I use all the time, and I still use that freaking bass. Do you know what I mean? I can't, I can't get away from it. And this was as close to the bass I could find at the time because I'd snapped the headstock on mine because I dropped it on stage. And um, yeah, and I was in the in the states, and I found this Elric, and I got put it in my hand. Is it a four string? Yeah, it's just a four. Oh really? It's a four. I don't see many four strings. No. And I look it up every now and again, and it's worth a fair bit. Yeah, they are, but probably not because of the way I've treated it. <laughs> Well, this is a, this is a really this is a really interesting thing. So I keep seeing these like Ibanez Roadmen, I think they're called. Yeah, from the, like 1979, and they're like 800 pound, which is a load of money. When I was a kid, they yeah. were about 200 quid. <laughs> anyway, I reckon if I buy that now, you know, 30 years, that's could be worth a fortune. Yeah. yeah. So it the is. kawaii basis, the Japanese basis. It's worth thinking about because it's the investment. Oh, it's an investment. It's investment. The basis 30, 40 years ago was on the 80s and 90s basis, aren't we? And they're going up in value. Yeah. yeah. So you're you're Elric. Yeah. Like, no, it is. You lock, can't... It, lock it away somewhere. You can't... Yeah, well, uh, yeah, where I can't smash can't it up. Manhandle on... it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Dig it out from like cryostasis in thirty like, years. It'd be worth quite a bit of money. It's screaming for some nice, you know, it's beautiful, beautiful tone. But I just put a distortion pedal on and play Queens of the Stone Age with it. <laughs> and grind the strings into my, the neck. Is it like a, the similar structure, like the through neck with the? It's the through neck. It's really light. It's really nice. It's got the. But a bit of timber cut away on the back, so yeah. there's no plastic. You know what I mean? It's um, Bartolini's. So it's sort of similar. Yes, you know, it goes yeah all the way through. It's got the stringers that go all the way. You haven't through had a go actually. So no, I know. You want to have a go on the Jones? Basically, oh here we go. Yeah. Well, it's last time we played a six, Carl. No, a long time ago. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, we keep talking about six strings. This is for our non-bass player listeners. Most bass guitars are four. Electric guitars are six, and this is a six-string bass, but it's not tuned like an electric guitar. So it's got one higher and one lower. Straight, straight fours. Yeah. So the intervals are four. Oh man, that's so weird with the. It's a, you always gravitate towards the high C, don't you? You want to pluck it like yeah. a like slapping. Yeah. Primus in it. <laughs> oh yeah, you're you're less playful one now. Mad. It's, it's quite so hard. It's so yeah, fat. It that is. neck feels lovely. It's got quite a, a wide string spacing, which is something I went for because I, when I made my thumb bass clone, it had a real um, narrow string spacing, mm-hmm. so it was quite difficult to actually play. <laughs> is that a Warwick thing? Having a narrow yeah, space? but I loved it. I thought I loved it, mm-hmm. so that's why I made it. Because I was like, oh, I've got tiny little hands. It's going to be great. But then, actually, it was a bit of a hindrance. And the Smith is really wide, really wide string spacing, and um, the nut's quite wide. So it's quite um, interesting to have that kind of revolu- revelation, you know, thinking I wanted a narrow string spacing instrument because I had small hands. Yeah. But actually, it was the wider string spacing I felt more comfortable with. String spacing, is that from the nut or from the bridge, or is that a combination of both? Well, it's both, but namely the bridge. Okay. Yeah. We've lost, we've lost wide, Carl. It's the wide. Sorry, sorry. I'm feeling. <laughs> no, it's great. I'm enjoying it. It's the widest point. It's just mad. It's just for, yeah, it's just a big, it's a big thing. And I'm terrible. Like the first time I remember buying. I've got to get a photo of you with us. Buying, buying a five string for the first time and just playing a song, which is an E, and just coming down. On the on B. That, <laughs> on the E and just coming down on the B like you do. You know what I mean? Well, it's like slapping. And it's just like. Change, it, change your game with slap because you can't. Yeah. You can't, you know, I mean, 
obviously you're you guys are used to it but um when you first pick it up you just can't slap you know it's like oh god i'm gonna have to relearn i'm gonna have to relearn everything again you know because i've got an extra two strings <laughs> I, I learned how to m- double pluck you know like with twin and base oh, yeah, day base day 98 yeah. you know that kind of that thing and I learned that from him. And then as soon as I got a, a six, I was like, oh shit, I can't really double pluck on anything other than the C string because for whatever reason, I wasn't very good at it. I can still do it, but like on one string, like yeah. I'd have to relearn the whole instrument if I wanted to play. Finish on that is incredible. It's gorgeous, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Yeah. So you're looking at, um, it's a figured maple, uh, sorry, figured walnut top with the flame maple body. So, so, f- so flame, so we're talking about the grain of the wood here. Yeah. What's the difference between figured and flamed? Um, hard to explain. Figured flamed is a very specific part of a bit of wood that has a very specific characteristic. So it's like a horizontal um, pattern, whereas the the figure can be any kind of pattern. Okay. Because so, then you got spalted. Yeah. On top of that, <laughs> spalted is rotten, basically. Yeah, well, that's, <laughs> one, that's basically what my Elric is. Oh, that's so really cool. It's great. Spalted. changed the name, isn't it? <laughs> But um, <laughs> but that is um, this is quite unique because it's got the the body core. If you look at the actual maple body core, it's maple, for example, which is weird. But it's um, it's flame maple. So the actual bit in the middle is really. Um, if you turn it to the side, you'll see the figure. It's quite yeah. So that is normally used as a top wood. So I had to cover that, which was really painful really, to do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you get the flame coming through it. So it's it, and then the the, the neck is um, that one's actually rosewood. The, they call them stringers. So the rosewood stringers, stringers and yeah. the, the flame maple neck, and then. The walnut, um, uh, the cap on the um, headstock. So the strings, I mean, stringers look great on the back of the neck. Do they? Do they serve and any? They have any acoustical properties as well as, as well as um? No, it's just, it's just for the look. It's for the it's look. Sheer. Yeah, I mean, it, I think there's always been something cool. Like when you saw a bass player on TV in the uh, and they turn around and you see the back of the neck and it's like the yeah. string. Yeah, you're like that. It's really cool. The thing I love about this bass is the the body size. Yes. I was talking to someone earlier and I was saying, you know, I was thinking about contouring it. So putting a shape, you know, like the, a be- sham- the like belly sh- cut. Yeah, or, chamfer. And, all and he that, said, yeah. do you think you'll ever do like Fender style contouring on, on that shape? And I said, do you know what? I thought about it, but something nice about holding a big bit of wood. Yeah. Um, and you're suffering for your art because it's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, I like putting that on, wearing it stood up. This sounds so, so good, the low end on this, it's clear. But the thing, the thing is you'll notice about this bass, compared to the last one you played, is that this is new. Okay. So the last one was two years old, so you should automatically feel that one plays a lot better. Okay. Yeah, but... Um, yeah. I, and, and and that's with... That's just straight into a little pre-sonus preamp, you know what I mean? And, oh, yeah. yeah it's, it's yeah. Like, I mean, the, um, the, the reason why I made it the clone, really, was that it was such an iconic sound. So... It's not really anything I've done. It's like Ken Smith's done that, you know, the, the, the pickups and everything. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's the influence, I suppose. The influence it's had on my 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 building coming to the next stage of my career is, you know, don't get the inspiration from the Fender Precision or the Jazz, which I have done in the past. You know, I'm looking at the slightly different inspiration from another, you know, bass builder. And that's, you know, where it comes from. So it's... That sounds sweet. <laughs> sounds great, yeah. Where do you? Where do you? Where, what's next then? What's next for you? Because this is—is is this your? This is your latest build. Uh, it's not the latest one, All but right. it's um, it's the one that started the kind of social media campaign because of the controversy. And I'd like to say that 
that was planned. Yeah, but it wasn't. Um, <laughs> I, I think now I'm kind of riding on the back of it. Going to roll with it. Yeah, yeah, because actually, any anyone talking about me is good publicity. Yeah. So I'm, uh, you know, looking now, just riding off the back of it. So I've got my own models um, now. The two models, which are kind of one is very similar to a Smith base. You know, the shape's very similar. The headstock's different, but I mean, ultimately it's an iconic sound that I wanted to try and, you know, recreate. So what's next is really just trying to get them into as many people's hands as possible. And that's actually probably at my cost. Oh, don't get this back to you. I'm going to noodle all night and be really, <laughs> I know. And be really irritating with it. <laughs> I'm like... Yeah, no, so unfortunately, it looks like me making a lot of free bases for a lot of people right now. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, hang on a minute. When you're talking about two grand for pickups, you can't, you can't be doing that forever. <laughs> well, I can't think of any other way. And I know it sounds silly, but it's, um, you know, hopefully people pick up on the videos and they want to, um, you know, do this stuff, but buy this stuff. But I, I think, you know, you have to be a bit more savvy with it with social media. Like in the old, in the old days, it was players would take them and go and play on stage and then other players would hear it on records and stuff. But now you can market yourself and stuff. And it's immediate, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I, I think guess I've, before you have to wait for the release and then it's really yeah. on the... But and if I want immediate, I can probably get it, but I've got to, I've got to soak up the cost to get the bases built in, in front of people for for whatever, you know, whatever, way, whatever price it costs me, unfortunately. So it's yeah. a bit of an investment, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm not really... I mean... You know, if my, if my, uh... <laughs> sorry, sorry, I'm not laughing at you, Mike. I'm laughing at the fact that Carl, you, you did that weird thing you did a couple of podcasts. Ago. <laughs> Is it that small? <laughs> <laughs> You're for a wee, are you? Off for a wee. Okay, he's off for a wee. <laughs> I'd have gone for the. I'd have gone for the kind of. Don't talk. Don't talk about anything too interesting. I don't. Want I remember why, Carl, that you put the beers in the freezer and they exploded. <laughs> That's a good tag. <laughs> I think. Um, Beer, alcohol in the fridge is quite good. A freezer is a good thing, isn't it? Like the Russians do that with vodka, I think. Yeah, but, but, but bubbles in. Uh, yeah. Is he, is he like just armed our freezer? Yeah, possibly. <laughs> yeah, it might go off like a nail bomb. So you've been talking a lot. Um, I think you've mentioned a brother who's musical. Mm-hmm. A stepbrother who's musical. Uh, Did you say stepbrother? Yeah, or was it stepfather? You. Sorry. Uh, stepfather. Yeah. Stepfather. And, and can you just talk? Can you just give us a rundown of the Jones family tree? Because there's a, there's a lot of Interesting character you brought up. Yeah. Um, so I suppose I'm kind of third generation musician. So, uh, I mean, my background is I was um, a music student. So I did my HN, uh, BTEC, HND, teaching certificate, and then degree. And then um, I was a lecturer in music. So I did that. Um, and then my brother did the same. <laughs> and my cousin did the same. Okay. And then my uncles were um, musicians. So they were new romantics. So the pinnacle of like electronic music. So they like made the first ever electric drums. And they, right. s- they had a company called Parad- uh, Paragon Pads. Mm-hmm. And they sold it to Sims, which were a big electric drum company in the 80s. But they made like the drums on like Vienna by Ultravox. You know, oh, wow. all those samples and tricks yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah, iconic. Yeah. Um, so that that was what, what they did. But they were also in a band. And, and you know i'm a very big fan of the 80s massive fan of the 80s always have been even when it was unpopular you know when nirvana were around i was still spanging the drum mm-hmm. you kind of the 80s and the standard of musicians and stuff which no one agreed with me but um 
yeah, that was kind of how it uh, how how um, I got influenced by music by watching. Them. Oh, so, sorry, Carl, Carl's arrived. He's <laughs> got beer in there. That I got, talk us through what have we got here. I, I'm I'm open. We got a proper yeah, job. There's a proper job. We got a or tribute a tri- or a tribute pale ale or a tribute. Or what a, would you recommend? Or a proper job. Okay. I don't know. I haven't drunk beer in a little while now. Okay, well I'm easy. But you're lucky because. Um, Kelly had moved them out of the freezer into the fridge. Oh. <laughs> and blown the kitchen up. <laughs> I'll have so, whatever. Go on, grab whatever you want. I'll go for a proper job. I'll go for one of those. Good, 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 good. And, um, yeah, so we were just talking about the kind of history of because my the, involvement. Because it's, it. it's come from somewhere, your interest in music. And, yeah, um, I mean, it, was, it was that. I mean, I was like six, seven years old going to Rich Bitch Studios in Birmingham and seeing like, all the big bands of the 80s, like remember we almost ran over Carol Decker from Tapau, who was recording Bridge of Spies, which is an iconic album. Like even now I still think it was an iconic album. It was just brilliant. You know, mm-hmm. we were listening to Queen's Reich in the car, you know, Empire. I don't know if you've ever heard that album, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Real, real kind of 80s music. Yeah, great and, band. And, um, you know, it was just a time in my life that it was just, my, you know, my uncles had mullets. They had earrings with crosses on. And my dad was a policeman. So when I saw my uncles, I was, I was like, these guys are from space. They had like, they had like leather jackets and they were so cool, you know? And um, they, I mean, they were brilliant musicians as well. Songwriters, musicians. My uncle Pete is a, is a just absolutely fantastic. He's one of those guys that, you know, when you hear a band sound check or you're in a band and you just know that as soon as that guy plays, everyone yeah. in this room is going to stand and look. Yeah. You know you're with that person, you know. And for me, it was always my brother mm-hmm. when we were touring and stuff. It was like, as soon as my brother plays and sound checks, everyone in this room is going to give up guitar. <laughs> like, but it was the same with my uncle. Like, he was just not flashy, just the touch. He had this yeah. iconic touch. It was beautiful. Anyway, we used to go to the, 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 the rehearsals and stuff. And Birmingham was an amazing scene. Very, very rocky. Very, very like all the best bands came from Birmingham in the eighties. They just did. Mm-hmm. And so much was happening. It was a vibrant city. It's the second biggest city in the country. So I was just immersed in that scene. And my uncle ran musical exchanges, which was the biggest shop in Europe music shop. And I don't know if you ever went, but it was, um, it was in Snow Hill in Birmingham and it had basically all the sewage, um, old sewage tunnels. Oh, right. So it just got under Birmingham, like for miles. Like, oh, right. <laughs> and it was like, and they just had, you never seen anything like it if you didn't see, see no, it yourself. I've never I haven't seen it, no. It was huge, but um, you can still Google it and stuff. But yeah, yeah we'd go there. And like, you talk, you're probably listening to me talking about jazz bass at 12 years old, thinking, what the fuck is he getting a jazz bass at 12? Well, because of my uncle, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. he was getting them in, like in bulk, and I was able to sort of wangle a few yeah, guitars. So Amazing. as soon as they oh, came in, yeah, I was able to get them. And, um, fuck them up and give them back. <laughs> but um, yeah, so that that's kind of, yeah. So my, so they were musicians. They were big kind of touring synth based rock. Very, very, very good. Very high standard. And then um, my dad was kind of a bit rubbish. Can't really sing and wrote a song called Kick My Dog about his girlfriend when he was 16 and that was it. About his girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> she really liked, he doesn't like dogs. And she really liked dogs. Kick my dog. And, and apparently, if you, um, yeah, uh, one thing you, you you can't ever do is kick her dog. If you do, then because he probably said he'd kick her dog at some point, and she said, if you do, you're dumped. But anyway, that was his extent of his musical career. That's amazing. Yeah, and, that's, just, that's what I aspire to. Yeah. That's all. <laughs> kick my dog. I know it's a good song. C A N G, C E N G, even and um, yeah, and then so I started 
writing songs when you know, similar story you see a pretty girl and you write a song about them because you love them and all that stuff when you're 16 and that was kind of me getting into music and, and stuff but um yeah I was very lucky because I was in a band we were called Webman Jones but we were pretty crap um <laughs> but it was um the Webman Jones were our surnames oh, and we were, oh, okay we were all related so uh, my cousin was a musician we all did our degree at the same time me and my brother and my cousin so we did classical music degrees at the same time I did uh so I did my grades in bass and I did my grades in singing because I was a singer. Um, and yeah, that was kind of it. We did it for a little while. We did a few gigs at the, you know, joiners. We supported Coldplay at the joiners, which oh, is wow. a big one. But, you know, they weren't famous. So was every, everyone supported a big band at the joiners. <laughs> yeah. we, we supported a band, didn't we? We Oh, God, we supported. I supported loads of loads Yeah, of bands. you will at the joiners. Yeah. It was the night that Portugal beat England, knocked them out of the World Cup. And our first, our first song was due to be a Portuguese samba. Oh yeah, Do you that? Uh, <laughs> nice. cross that off the set list. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. I don't know if they'll notice the difference between a clave and a rumba clave. Oh, I don't know. This is St Mary's and Samson. Yeah. <laughs> no, we did. Um, who else was there? I can't remember who else we played. We had some great bands there. Um, what's the Scottish band? The rock band? Idlewild. No. Mm. Oh. I remember they played the joiners. Big Scottish band. Simple Minds. No. Big country. No, but it's Scottish. Oh, I don't know. No. <laughs> it's a, it's not a big country, but yeah. I can't remember they were called. <laughs> anyway, you know. Um, yeah, but that was just Southampton and the joiners, wasn't it? You know, occasionally yeah. it would end up with a big band, but we didn't do anything really. We were rubbish. We just tried to make songs we thought people would like to hear and they were awful. <laughs> we got quite good as a live band, but it was when we completely dumped what we wanted to do. You know, we were trying to write songs and you know it didn't work and then as soon as we went to uni we started playing more kind of funky stuff i suppose and like we, we were doing like i don't know like tower of power hits um oh, yeah. covers and oh, stuff cool. like that and um yeah it just got a bit more kind of us we did some primers we did some you know funky faith no more kind of mr bungle we type stuff and that was good but that was right at the end of when we, when we kind of passed and then i went into teaching and i was a lecturer mm-hmm. in music at Eastleigh with Matt and then Bournemouth and Paul College. So, so born in Birmingham? Born in Surrey. Well, born in Surrey, okay. Yeah. And then up to Birmingham? No, oh, stayed actually... down here, but my okay, dad was so... from Birmingham. Oh, okay. Yeah. So what brought you, back, what brought you down to Southampton? Um, that was where, so my dad was a policeman and he um, he got posted in Winchester. Okay. I think, yeah. So he was a cop in Birmingham, which would have been fun. Because uh, it's not very nice, <laughs> and then um, yeah, moved, got posted to Winchester, met my mum, and then had us. Then he moved to Surrey to be a policeman at the army barracks in Farnborough, which was equally as not fun because all the squaddies and stuff. And then the moved back weapons, down. Is it Farnborough? No, oh god, they're just the army bases. <laughs> all the people coming out fighting on a Saturday night and stuff. But then um, yeah, back to Southampton, and he was custody sergeant in the civic centre. Oh wow, okay. When that was a police station, which you may know. Yeah, <laughs> if we ever got arrested, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, ultimately, yeah, he wasn't particularly musical, but he did have these two brothers, which were, and then, um, yeah, but it was weird the obsession with bass building guitars. And I, I, I can honestly say, like, it was just weird that, like, honestly, it walked in this room, I looked at that beam and on the roof and thought, I can make two body wings, probably get one, <laughs> yeah. two, three, four, five, well, six. Well, when we knock the lodge down, you'll be first to know. <laughs> <laughs> But um, thing is, talking about wood, I wouldn't have made that of pine. Uh, so you're, you've, got, you've got a good knowledge of wood then? Uh, I don't know if I'd say good. Um, industry wood, like the what the stuff 
There is standards, isn't there? I suppose yeah. in, in the music industry that yeah. we do use. So yeah, if yeah, you yeah. say give Les Paul, you'd say mahogany, and if you said Fender, you'd say you know poplar or or ash, um, and then that, those are the woods you gravitate towards. Yeah. So I think there's that. Yeah. Um, but being experimental with wood, not so much. I mean, one of the selling points, I guess, of my instruments I try to do is that because I live in the New Forest. I tried to make them from the new forest. Sourced well. locally. That's yeah. good. That's a good call. I like that. So, I mean, the, the plan was always to kind of build and make from the forest. It turns out we don't necessarily have a very good range of tonal words. <laughs> You're not going to find some Brazilian purple heart. Yeah, there's no ebony. <laughs> <laughs> no, but and the it, rosewood's it, a bitch. <laughs> this is it. Because I've always, I've always been... Um, uh, what's the one I'm trying to say? Like all these different bases are made from such different timbers, and I don't know how much of it is for ergonomics, just visually pleasing, or audio if it's audio. You know what I mean? And it's yeah, because I always because I talk about my Elric, I purchased that because it felt like this base I can't stop using. But visually, it's, it's stunning. You know what I mean? It's like, and which is part of it, but then. You go on stage with something like that. No one can see it, and you, no one, no, no one else cares. It's a romance, I think. Well, maybe, maybe another bass player goes, "Oh, bloody hell, and Elric!" It's, or, it's, you know it's I mean? it's or whatever. A, yeah, they would. Yeah. yeah, it's a romance because you look. I mean, the first thing I see is these two black Fender esque instruments with maple fingerboards on the wall here, and I, I couldn't care less about the what they're made of. They just, it's an iconic look. Yeah, you know, that could be plywood. I wouldn't care. No, <laughs> honestly, wouldn't. So there's a romance. Yeah. Mm. You know, there's a romance to the Fender. So should we be paying this in these enormous fees for these extravagant timbers uh, when, yeah, the... when that is what? 325 quid, that base there? Well, I think oh, yeah, probably, yeah. there's a couple yeah. of, there's a couple of, I mean, this is a, uh, this example, the, the Elric, they're handmade. Yeah. And that you should pay. Yeah. They're priceless. Yeah, yeah. They're priceless. Yeah, that is a... made by a CNC router out of yeah. stock poplar and <laughs> stock maple. You know, exactly. so you're paying for legacy and romance, but you're you you know China, China. Yeah. So you, you you I mean, there's probably they probably make all the kit bases you see as well. You know, it's probably the same factory, yeah. same materials. So, but what you're doing is you're paying for. I mean, even with Squire, you're paying for the the romance of it. You know. Squire is an iconic brand. Mm. So is Fender, you know. But um, I mean, something that's handmade, you can't put a price on that. You can't put a price well, on that. Well, that's what I was just about to ask you. Do have you do you own a CNC or uh, are you, no. are you, you spoke are you spoke shavers and Yeah. Yeah. I, I would I, I'd what's, love a, what's a spoke shaver? It's like a, it's like a scraper. Scra- yeah. Bladed scraper. Yeah. Oh, I can imagine what one of those is. It gets, it gets, you know, like a plane. Plane would make you do something nice and flat. Because right, it's okay. got a flat edge. Okay. Whereas a spoke shaver has a curved edge to it with a blade in it, so you can get the curves on uh, the guitar and all. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's I don't such have hard a, work. It well, it's it is. such a long process. It it is. It's a bit of a bitch, but I mean, you need to, <laughs> you need to start on the right foot footing. So you need to make sure you've got all the parts you want before you start. So the you know the nut, the tune is the bridge, everything like that. You know, and then you need to make sure that you've got all the woods and stuff and and all the tools. Like I said, you know wrong drill bit or wrong allen key and yeah. and you'll make a mistake so yeah. it's a learning curve and you know unfortunately i'm still not i made a mistake on that i made probably a couple of mistakes on that actually big ones um with the shape of the horn with the, the back of the headstock oh. um 
you know, you'd never notice. I'd never notice. No, I'd but I, 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 I would. I'd not, but that, but then that's the uniqueness of it. That's what. That's what you're paying the big bucks for. You know what I mean? Yeah. How big's your shop? It's what? a single. It's probably the size of this room. I imagine. A single story. It's a yeah. single car garage. Six by three, whatever. Yeah, it's pretty much the same as this. Maybe this is a bit wider. Yeah. I mean, sorry, no one can see <laughs> this. <laughs> if you imagine a car. <laughs> Yeah, with space around it. Parks in a garage, you can just about get out the door in. It's about that size. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean. Ultimately, it's the process. It's like a painting. Yeah. So it's not just knowing the process and the tools you need for each process, but it's making sure you've got the right things before you start. So, um, I mean, this has a whole set of Perspex templates. So before I started, it was designed in Illustrator, Adobe Illustrator, yeah, on a computer, yeah. on a MacBook, and then it was you know, sent to a 3D printing company that that um, printed out all the, not printing, uh, laser cutting, laser cut, yeah. print, printed all the templates. And then I was able to, <laughs> I was able to get them and, and, and make them. So I've got, yeah. a, I've got a, the, the headstock was laser cut, the, 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 um, the threshold cover, the, the Smith logo or the Jones logo. So in, in, in the future, you can come to me for that. <laughs> can I really? Yeah. <laughs> I've got a great relationship. I've got a great relationship with Hey Create in Bournemouth, who are fantastic, but they're very busy. Yeah, we're <laughs> we're Twyford, so we can, I can help you out with that. No mm. worries. But anyway, moving on. <laughs> that's what the podcast is all about. We're talking about connect, that, connecting yes. people. Exactly. No, that's <laughs> well, that's, I've had an interest, interesting relationship with uh, laser cutters. Actually, we've tried all sorts. Like we've tried cutting shapes, guitar shapes, but ultimately we tried to make a laser cutter do what a CNC does, and a CNC is a mechanical router that just carves wood and yep. uh, the laser cutter is not as good with wood. No. Unfortunately. It's Burns good with, edges. Yeah, it's good causes with... Causes fires. <laughs> it's brilliant. It's, <laughs> it's good with plastic and that's why with all the templates, it's fantastic. Yeah, but, see, I make my own um, template routes, you know what I mean? Uh, and it's, yeah, it's dead easy. It's nice. It's nice. Nah, well, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, definitely. It's cool. I have a personal favour. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Can I put this to you? Yeah. I, I keep going on about this bass that I can't put down. It's, it's an old Tobias Growler, mm -hmm. and it's got an ellipsed D-shaped neck. Mm -hmm. So the back of the neck is mm -hmm. top-heavy, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. If I was to throw pennies at you, mm. is that something you could recreate? Yeah. Is that the sort of is that is that where you're? Oh at? yeah, yeah, no, completely. Is yeah. that is that where you want your business to go? Not really, or, not really. No, no. but I, I do it for for shits and giggles. <laughs> no, I mean ultimately, ultimately, um, I like making instruments. Um, yeah. In terms of the profile uh, on the neck, I use like uh, essentially large roundover bits on a router. So I get a D bit or a C bit, and it just cuts the profile exactly how I want it. Okay. So um, I'd be. You know, I'd be kind of slave to whatever tool I could get. But um, yeah, I mean, I mean, what I do is essentially I take a picture. If I see an instrument on the internet, I'll take a picture, I'll import it into Illustrator. Yep. And I know that the distance between the nut and the bridge, at the point at which the strings intonate with the, with the bridge saddles, is oh, 34 36, inches. Yeah, 36. So I can then blow the image up to be, if it's in scale, you know, I, it's not stretched wide or stretched thin. Um, I can then tell. I can then say, okay, right. Well, this is this distance is thirty four inches. I know that for sure. And then I look on Google. How wide is a fender uh, a fender nut? 
you know, on a four string. They'll yeah. say it's, uh, you know, 45 mil. So I'll say, right, is that, if I've blown it up to the right, is that 45 mil? If it's out, then I know the image is bad. So I'll get another image and then I'll test it and then I can ultimately uh, recreate okay. things. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, the challenge is when you try and look at something with a bit more ergonomics, like a Warwick or a thumb base, like that I had a bitch with trying to recreate that kind of curved back. Yeah. Because you can't do that by hand. It's really hard. Like you can, but it's really hard. Like imagine trying to route a pickup, you know, a control cavity in the back of a guitar where, the, where, where it's, it's banana in, shaped. Where it's an inwards concave. Yeah. yeah I got and then because the, nothing sits flat on it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Never thought of that. Mm. That's just nasty. So that's a machine. That's that like is that. a machine. They've yeah, they've they've got CNCs that hold it in position, and then yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. And they're, they're literally, it will sit in a mold that's the shape of it already. Yeah. <clears throat> so how, how many hours? Yeah, how many man hours in that you, base? You ever, there? Ever... Do you know what? It's not as bad as you think. Um, I get asked this quite a lot, and I think if you came to me with all the parts and all the wood, you'd have a base in a week. Serious? Yeah. Wow. I mean, not with paint. No, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. You'd have an oiled finish base, but the, yeah. the finish takes a while. Yeah. Um, and this this high gloss finish is is a is a it's what oh. catches the eye. It's what makes you think this is a nice instrument. Mm. Without the the gloss, you'd probably not think of it as as nice as it actually is. I think. I mean, that's something that I've struggled with getting high quality finishes. Finishes. Um. But yeah, I mean. It's not a it's not a large proce- long process. The, the thing is that there's there's like a an element of the the build which is kind of stabilization. So like you'd really want the finish to sit on there for a few months just to stop shrinking into the body, oh, yeah. into the pores of the wood, and you'd really want the neck to kind of stabilize with yeah, the strings on it. So we'll wait for glue to set and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's a lot of gluing and clamping. That's that's your well, I know it'd be my biggest enemy is patience. It's something you learn oh, because God. you spend money. So yeah. as soon as you end up forking out like loads of, like I had the other day, I, I used a new glue on a, on a fretboard, a beautiful base. It cost an absolute fortune to buy the wood. Amazing. It's very similar to that. Um, and I'd used a new polyurethane glue because it has carbon inside. This has carbon, um, carbon fiber in the neck. Okay. And this one did too, the one I was building, but ultimately wood, like a fingerboard doesn't stick to carbon fiber very well. From wood glue. All right. So I had to use a, a polyurethane. Anyway, some of the polyurethane had got into the trusswood cavity. All right. Even though I tried to keep uh, it out. All right. So the, I had to have the thing built. It was beautiful. One of the most beautiful instruments I've ever seen. And I put the strings on. Got that, <laughs> just the neck. Just the trusswood and the, the nut snapped. Solid. Oh. The, the actual the nut on the trusswood just came out. And I was like, I can't fix this. No. Um, it's, I can plane off the... The, the, take the frets out, plane off the fret board yeah. and try and get out, but that's probably going to, it's not going to be the same. I can't almost, sell it. No, that's more work than starting again almost. It, it, may, it is, but it's also well have, it's an element of risk because if you yeah. start putting saws on guitars then you might end up with saw marks where you don't want them or not yeah. flat surfaces, like every surface is completely flat. It's planed, you know. It's um, when you have to take something off, it's not something you can sell. Why would I bother? Because I can't sell it then knowing that that's happened to it. So, mm. Yeah, that was a total ball leg. So where is it now? <laughs> Hanging on the garage wall. Oh, I've seen it. I've yeah. seen Yeah, as a reminder. <laughs> <laughs> to write that glue company a nasty letter. <laughs> I don't know if it was. So I rang the, the supplier and I said, have you got a problem with these truss rods uh, breaking? And they were like, no. I was like, hmm. Might have been me then. Um, I'm going to take the fretboard off and then I'm going to come back to you. If it's 
trust all that's broken will be very angry and I've never called them back because yeah. <laughs> so I took, took the fretboard off and saw the glue in the channel I was like oh, oh shit man. that's me and the thing just expanded like foam into the channel and uh, it must have been that strong that as soon as you put nailing key in rather than turn the, yeah. the, 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 the that one just turns with ease uh, rather than turn it it just popped uh, wow. it was that strong but yeah that was a problem for me um, and a financial problem as well Yeah, I can because right now everything I do is you know my money yeah so I, i'm lucky i've got quite a high paid job so i basically divert all my money into into this yeah. but if i didn't get paid what i get paid i couldn't do this mm. like it's just i couldn't do it just couldn't do it it costs so much money yeah really does yeah it's, yeah like to produce this probably costs Two, two and a half grand that's just to build it yeah that's not even a markup no see when you say well, you that's pay- not including the hours either that's just no, the material that's it? just the materials oh, okay. electrics that's, that's why you shipping. see like Jean Ritter places <clears throat> going for six and a half grand oh easy you know and the rest oh yeah I mean they're, they're, because they're all they're seven eight grand a pop yeah mad money isn't it mm. but that but you think about inflation you think about the cost of living and everything right now I mean it's probably not too bizarre you know I mean <laughs> You think about it like... Well, I know. I base I base a lot of things on how much fuel I put in my car mm. nowadays. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, I went to Birmingham on Saturday. It cost me 70 quid there yeah. and back. Diesel. Yeah. You know, and then I think 70 quid, that's like, you know, it's, what is that? It's hard, you know. A ted... Of, a set of strings? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two sets of strings. <laughs> Not those strings, though. I wouldn't buy those strings again. They're awful. <laughs> I went back, to, I asked this guy, you know, what strings should I buy? He's a session player. And he was like, buy this, these. And it was something beginning with E. And I was like, oh, that reminds me of Elites. Because when I used to play, I used to play Elites. I used to play Elites. I loved yeah. them. Um, Are they still around? Well, that's what, exactly what I thought. So I didn't <laughs> even look. I didn't even look. I went straight for the one he said. And they were, you said, you only buy them per string. That's how you know they're good. Mm. And they were like $9.99 a string. I was like, fuck me, that's 60, 70 quid for a set. I'm not doing that. Let me see if Elites are still about. And um, searched for Elites and they came back with um, a set of Elites. And I was like, yes. And I got them stainless steel and they're on the, the Mark One at the moment. But they were Ibanez. It was literally the cheapest string. Ibanez strings. Yeah. I don't yeah. think I've ever played Ibanez strings. Yeah, it's the cheap. Well, you don't want to. <laughs> they're, they're, it's not, as you played, it's not that bad. But the, um, I don't know what strings or how they're made. They're wound, obviously, but um, the the C string, which is the top string, is very problematic. It doesn't want to sit in the, the machine head, and it's not just this bass. It's every bass I've used them on. Ugh. They're about 20 quid, but, um, you know, the elites are like 40, so you obviously get what you pay for. But, um, yeah, I was toying with, with a different brand, and obviously the elites are amazing, and the, um, the, the B string is remarkable it's so thick mm. and it just it's an uh, it's an actual note you know a lot of bases you get yeah and, you get that uh, yeah, it's saying, yeah. flimsy you know and like the ones i had on the the mark one so i was probably guilty of that as well but i changed them to this and it was just like boom yeah. nothing but clear tone yeah, and I was an like, actual note yeah, yeah. That's, that's the best phrase i think to explain that it's an actual yeah, note an actual note <laughs> not just hearing lowness yeah you know what i mean it's, yeah. yeah flop yeah corn <laughs> <laughs> I just had a a news feed of um ten worst bass tones. Did it come up on your news feed? Worst. Were ten it was the ten worst bass tones. And <laughs> some of them were jokey ones like um uh, bassist from White Stripes, he sounds like shit. 
Justiciously. There is no like basis that. in White Stripes. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's the that was, exa- exactly that. But Fieldy, well, won it. But <laughs> you know what I mean? That is the worst bass tone who, ever. Who won it? Fieldy from uh, Corn. You know, um, I don't know what he does. You know what I mean? It's that like, is but... an awful. Sorry, guys. I've just I've just got a bit of a news flash here. Um, okay. Right. Think... So I just checked the football a while right. ago, and it was one yeah. 0 to Germany. Right. And now it's three two to England. Oh, bloody hell! Three two. Three two. This is why my watch keeps there. buzzing. It's all the goals going. Yeah. Oh no! Sorry, it's three all now. Look. Oh, oh. <laughs> literally, literally three all. <laughs> Of course it is. <laughs> As he said three to you, I watched it. Shut my mouth. <laughs> Give it twenty <laughs> minutes, it'll be five three <laughs> in Germany, don't worry about it. You can't have a last minute. That's eight that was eighty three minute penalty that went in last. Oh wow. Were they, oh. oh well. That's it, we're done for. <laughs> so when I when I, I remember when I came out of your house a couple of weeks ago and you showed me all the work you've been doing and everything, and I said to you, I feel like making bases is that for people who don't know it is a real dark art. Like I think a lot of people just go to a shop and buy a base and then they're not really aware of the process that goes into it. Mm. Um, obviously, I'm not asking you to describe the entire process. <clears throat> but for those of us, including me, that really are not as aware as we should do of how you get from wood to base, what, what, what's the kind of, um, what's kind of the workflow? What's, what's the procedure? Well, give us a layman's journey. Well, it depends what kind of instrument you're talking about. So if you're talking about like a, a fender or, or something like that, they're completely different. Okay. But ultimately, you need straight edges. So how you get straight edges is where you start from. And then how you get shapes. So you buy wood. Mm-hmm. Wood is referred to as either kind of kiln-dried or green. So something like this would be kiln-dried. So something on the roof in these beams here would be, you know, fully dry, probably a percentage of like 8 or 5%, which is good to go. Um Green wood, which has just been chopped from a tree, is no good because it needs to be seasoned. So it's too moist. Is it too, too moist? And then, if you cut it when it's moist, it bows. So you need straight pieces of wood. So that comes from, um, you know, kiln dried wood that's planed. So ultimately, you need to have a planer or a thicknesser or something that will get a piece of wood flat. And when I say flat, you know, when you attack, the first thing you do when you pick up a guitar is look down the neck to see how straight the neck is. Yeah. Because um, that gives you an indication of how quality, how good quality the build is, um, which is why I tend to go for through neck bases because you know you get it's easier to control the the joint. There is none, so um, yeah. I mean, ultimately, you, you start with flat wood, mm-hmm. you know, roughly the size of the thing you want. Um, obviously, mine go a step, you know, probably a massive step further because they're multi laminated. So there's <laughs> there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight nine pieces of wood in that neck yeah oh my god and there's uh so that's nine pieces of wood that have to be sized and planed and then the body is two two wings essentially with six pieces together so three in each and um yeah i mean ultimately you get the wood to the the size you roughly the size you want so the thickness and the straightness um and then it it's it's a process of contouring and carving and that comes through well essentially a router Okay. Which is a tool that uses to sort of gouge holes and things. A very steady hand. <laughs> well, yeah. So the, the steady hand is a thing, but also the templates are a thing. You so, can, on on routers, you can get like a roller wheel, which will basically, the roller wheel will sit above the blade mm-hmm. and it will roll along your template, which is bonded to your body mm-hmm. or, or your. Yeah, it's like a sta- bearing. Like it's a bearing like on a skateboard. Yeah. So basically, okay. you can't cut into what you don't want to cut into. 
as long as you're rolling that reel along the template, essentially. Yeah, isn't exactly. It? Yeah. So that's that's how it's done. So, I mean, I think the most important thing is your drawing. So starting with a, a drawing which is to scale, and then having um, a template that is, you know, laser cut in in perspex. So yeah. I draw it, I send it to the guy, and I say, "Can you print this out?" And he says, "Yeah." Um, then you know, I get it in a varying sizes of perspex depending on what I can afford at the time. And um, then you end up with essentially a model in plastic and then you use that to bond to the wood. So you, I use a carpet, self, self-adhesive kind of double-sided carpet tape, which right. is very strong okay. yeah. to put plastic on wood and hold it there. And then I just run the router around the template. Um, but that sounds very simple two-dimensionally. Yeah. But when you start thinking about three dimensions, like a radius on a, on a fretboard mm-hmm. or a profile on a neck or you know, even the way that the, the neck on a fender is recessed back or the way that the, the neck sits in the body, you know, it gets a lot more complicated. So that's essentially it. Yeah. Did you take any woodworking in school? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just amazed by all No. no it this, is so all, easy. So this is all, this is all uh, so later my, in life, yeah? So my granddad was a master carpenter in Winchester. He was like a cabinet maker and he was like the best in Winchester. He was the only guy that could do certain things. Okay. So if there was a job, it was him that was called. And um, from a very early age, he bought me tools. Mm. So I remember even at six or seven, there's photos of me with a toolbox and tools because he'd, he'd made me a toolbox with tools in it. Mm. Um you know, there's a sort of a joke in the family, really. My cousin's a builder and he was a plasterer, but he's a multi-skilled builder. And there's a home video of us in my back garden with my toolbox my granddad's made with actual tools in it. And he's asking me, what's this? And I was like, that's wood glue. <laughs> so now every time I see him, I'm like, remember when I told you what wood glue was? Because you know, he, he's a builder. <laughs> no, I kind of knew. So, that, you know, I think my granddad knew there was a relationship. And I remember speaking to him about guitar saying, Granddad, can you make a guitar? And he said, we didn't have a very close relationship, really. He didn't really say much. But he said, if you've got the right tools, you can make anything. And I was like, okay. And then since that day, I've been thinking, if I've got the right tools, I can make anything. And, you know, he passed away about 10 years ago, I think. But um, my nan (laughs) didn't really want to part with any of his tools. Like, But my mum came over with a a toolbox, like, a few months ago with some planes and some chisels in it, and they were razor sharp. Proper old school yeah, stuff. Yeah, and well, I actually it? used it on the bridge on that, you know. Yeah. And um, so that was kind of a bit of a legacy. But I, I um, so I left school when I was sixteen, and um, got a job as a joiner's apprentice. All right, but I did it for about three weeks <laughs> because it was fifty three quid a, a month. <laughs> a month. Yeah, because <laughs> it was apprenticeship salary. <laughs> yeah, which it was nineteen ninety seven, and um. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so and then I went back to college as a music student and then did um, like five years of music education and just did um, bass making in my shed, uh, my mum's house in Eastleigh. And um, yeah, then the environmental health got called about me running a business from my garage, which obviously it never really was. Um, but the neighbour was not very happy. He was a Portsmouth fan and I was a Southampton fan. Oh, and I always yeah. used to shout abuse across the fence. But anyway... <laughs> He's dead now, which is not a bad thing. <laughs> he was an asshole, and um, yeah, he ultimately called the environmental health for me for noise pollution. So uh, that was shut down, and my mum was really upset. And then I moved out and got life and became an adult, and didn't touch a thing because I lived in a flat and yeah. had kids. And it wasn't until I kind of got older and was able to have a house that I was able to have space to build. That's it. Yeah, and um, yeah, 
now I'm kind of able to, you know, it's hard work because you you know you're not working full time really. You, you know, it's evenings and weekends, and you know it really is most of the time. And um, you know, especially now it's colder. Like I've got yeah, no imagine. desire to go in the garage when it's cold. I've got heaters <laughs> in there, but like in the summer, I'm in there every day, flip flops. You know, you know, let's do yeah. it. And, and now I'm like, do not want to go in that cold <laughs> garage. <laughs> so, but I've got really the most forgiving wife. Oh, that's yeah. She yeah. is amazing, and like at any given time, there's probably three or four guitars in my front room that are in parts, <laughs> and she doesn't care. Awesome. Yeah. And she doesn't, my mum used to go fucking mental. Like if I was sanding in the front room, which I used to do. <laughs> I got, I think, yeah, at one point I had, I got, I had like two bases in every room of the house. You mm. know what I mean? Just like, and Zoe's cool. She's mm. cool. She's yeah. But that's great. a real thing because having someone that's cool is a big thing because I see other people's relationships and I think about, would I be allowed and I, I say allowed, you know, a lot of men would say, oh, fucking do what you want. You know, yeah. But for me, it is, it's not allowed. It's a basic, you know, just living, cohabitating well, with someone. It's a respect thing. Yeah, it's it? a respect. You know I mean? yeah. and, and for me, it's like, well, you know, I know I'm taking the piss. When I'm sat there, <laughs> sat there at work and I'm looking at a guitar or something and I'm thinking, oh man, she's going to kill me or something. Or she's going to come down. But she doesn't. She just comes down, gets on with her, her stuff. Good and. Stuff. She got her own interests. Walks around the bases. <laughs> she's a nurse. Okay. Yeah. So, and she's um, well, she's That's she's from the Philippines. Oh, wow, so okay. she came in two thousand as a nurse for the NHS, and I think that's a thing because she's very musical. So she has an interest in, and as you know, Filipino singers are the best in the world. Yeah. They're insane. Yeah. And um, she's really, really good, which is oh, why we're cool. together because that's the bond we have over that's over beautiful. music. Yeah, so yeah, I yeah. think because she's got a respect for music. It's, um, she understands where you all come from, yeah, mentally and yeah. passionately and all that yeah. sort of stuff. Which yeah, I think is cool. that's it. But you know, it's things have changed the last year. Like we had this lovely four bed detached double garage, beautiful house. Like we're renting, still renting, saving for a, 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 our own house. But um, the landlord died, and at the renting crisis, I don't know if you, anyone uh, knows yeah. about it, but there was nothing this time last year, and he uh -huh. died. So we had to go with whatever was in near the school within 10 miles, there was two properties. So we ended up getting a place that was sort of really sort of substandard to what our needs were, um, which is where we're at now. It's a great place, but it's not really a house for the amount of kids we've got yeah. um, and for building guitars. So we're kind of in a place where it's a bit difficult here where I'm at now, but um, yeah, even so it's, yeah, it's, you have to definitely have an understanding partner because it's not, you know, it's not, I'm not bringing in money. You know, I'm not earning shitloads of money from selling these no. things. It's a passion, really. It's a calling. I always, always, always kind of say it's more of a vocation, you know. But you go in the right direction mm. and you will. Uh, you know, the quality of that instrument, you will. Yeah, I think uh, so. You know what I mean? I'm, I, you know, I'm pretty confident about that too, because it's, I mean, there comes a point, I think, remember when I was a singer, it was about, you know, I used to get nervous before gigs. And then after about 10 years, I wasn't nervous anymore. I used uh. to have fun. And someone said to me once, you know, just have confidence in the fact that you've spent all those years learning that when you go out on stage, you're just going to do it yeah. well. And as soon as I realized, oh, yeah, mm. I've done a degree. I've done all this education. You know, I, I've really worked my ass off. I'm I, not actually, gonna... I actually know my shit. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to fuck up. So mm. I, think... I always remember someone telling me, you've got to walk that line between arrogance and humility. 
You've got to get that balance exactly right. And that stuck with me, that did. You know but I mean? something, that, something that stuck with me very similar is something I heard the other day, and I think it was from Crimson Guitars. And I'm not a great fan of Crimson Guitars, but they're, they're a company in Dorset. They're, they're great guys. They've done amazing things. Not a massive fan, just because I'm jealous probably. But he said something like, um, you know, you've got to have the courage to fail a lot of times before if you want to succeed at anything you've got to have the courage to fail yeah and the courage to fail actually looks quite bleak like failure is enough to fuck up a lot of times before you actually get to the way you want to go so for me it was like how many times and i'm still fucking up now do i (laughs) have to fuck up before i've learned the thing i want to get to you know but the other side of that coin is i can i skateboard a fair bit still not as much you know as i used to but the journey towards something is, oh, I find is always more enjoyable than the actual re- end result in, mm-hmm. in some 100%. cases. Like, yeah. like having a skateboard trick dialed in, that's, that's no fun almost. It was fun learning it and landing it the first few times. But once you had it dialed in, you could just do it every time. You want to move on to something else. So that you know, that's that's that constant progression, and you know what I mean. That'd be, that's that's where that's not a bad thing. I don't think you know what I mean. I think so you're right. The constant learning is is a good journey. the journey. It's better than the destination sometimes. I hear that all the time, and it's so true. Uh, yeah, I know these so are all cliche sayings, but they are. Yeah. They are. No, it's they are flat for a reason. It's a probably a, a Chinese proverb, and yeah. they, they know their shit. So, <laughs> so what? So, um, what are the hopes for for James Page? What what are you aspiring towards? Um, I mean, I'd like to be able to make them for a living, um, because obviously it'd be great to just have a log cabin in the woods and just go out and smell the pine trees and cut wood, um, you know, and then give it to a really amazing player that could go out and play a gig on it. Are you, are you quite, na- is, is this a word, natural? <laughs> Na- <laughs> is that natural? Is that the word for natural? No, nat- natural. <laughs> No, but it's, you, definitely, it's not naturist. I'm just nature, checking. Yeah, I'm not, <laughs> no, <laughs> Nature. No, you, do you quite like that? Are you a walk in the woods sort of guy? No, you're not. No, but I do have a um, like when I see pictures of like oh, this is a really weird thing. It's going to sound really strange, but there's a scene at the beginning of Harry and the Hendersons where he's driving through Canada and he hits the oh, yeah. he hits the. Uh, the Sasquatch, you know, and but I always looked at that when I was a kid and thought oh, I'd love to live there. You know, in the middle of those pine trees, and just yeah, have a little yeah. log cabin. Yeah, and yeah. in, in, in the you know wherever that might be, it's probably not even Canada. It's probably America, but somewhere in Dakota or somewhere. Yeah, and I just love that. And when I look for houses, because that's what I'm doing at the moment, I always look for trees and stuff. Like <laughs> if it's got massive trees in the background, I'm like, yeah, that's my log cabin. Yeah, that will be chopped down soon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if it's a sycamore or a maple, it's coming down. <laughs> that crossed my mind. We do used to have a sycamore in the garden, which is our version of maples. So I was just like, mm, it falls down in the storm. <laughs> That's a year's worth of bases. But no, I think, um, uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm quite realistic. I mean, like I say, I do a good job. So um, that looks after the family. So, and it's quite flexible. So I'm kind of happy doing what I'm doing, but I'd still like to be able to, you do have a lot of spare time outside work. So it'd be enough for me to carry on doing what I'm doing and actually just produce instruments that are being played. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's kind of it, really. I mean, like I said, I, I would foot the bill for a lot of things just to get them in people's hands because, I mean, I'm not, comp- it's a very competitive industry and I'm not a com- very competitive person, but I'd still like people to 
if I think it's a good instrument, I'd like people to play it. So I would happily say, look, here's one. Just take it, go and play it. You know, I don't yeah. have any money. You know, just use it, you know, and get seen. And I, mm-hmm. I, I suppose the process of getting seen is the trick mm-hmm. because that yeah, then there, leads there to a, the next build. There is an element of possibly getting one in a celebrity's hands would, you know, can, can yeah, it can hasten the process yeah. of getting there maybe. So yeah. obviously Scott Devine is the is the one at the moment. So I've got one of these, um, the guy that does all this content on LinkedIn, I've been talking to and he wants one. So I'm going to send one up to him. Oh, amazing. Yeah. But um, uh, like literally I, I will work really, really hard on that one. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that the American chap he works with? Or? No, the one that looks exactly like him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah never <laughs> tell. I was like, when does Scott become American? Like, no, I mean, that, I mean that, that, but this is an example of, of what can happen. Like I come, I work in the, on the internet, I'm digital. I work from digital product designer. So um, I'm very much attuned to how things get blown up on the internet and the way that's got the rise of Scott Devine and that whole Scott Space lesson is mm. crazy. Mm. Like it's just boomed. And now I think for us, you know, it's, it's having the same effect with the, with the instruments. You have to, if you want, you know, that kind of, power of digital marketing then you have to cut your arm off a little bit to you know get stuff done and i'm I'm kind of i'm kind of happy to do that i'm kind of happy to invest in the guitars and get them out to the right people and if i can get one up to them which he said i can send him one which is fine so um you know it might be that might be it yeah that might be a little bit of a break but i mean yeah. to be honest the the fil- the the forums that are on Facebook and Instagram and stuff, they're pretty good. Yeah. So, you know, you can still reach 12, I mean, I'm reaching 12.5K per post. Yeah. And that's not bad that's good. Mm. per post, you know. It takes two or three of those people to say, God damn it, I want one. Mm. And, and, and uh, do you know what? Some of the people that are, you know? some of the people that are messaging me saying they want one, they're, they're serious players. Yeah. Like really, like, I'm like, wow, I'll, here's one. Yeah. yeah. Take it. You know. And it's not like it's, well, it's not, it's not a chore. At the end of the day, you still, love building oh yeah so it's not like you're going to work and oh, i've got to knock out two more of these well that's the thing yeah there's <laughs> no, no there's none of that rubbish but. i'm not i'm not attached to the financial element of it because i've never had anyone buy one so it's mm. um i make a load and i give them away because that's how you start a business in my opinion um but things are getting like now i'm starting to work on like my my own pickups and stuff which are coming out they've got jones on them and the bridge is jones branded and stuff and that stuff costs money so getting like proper metal CNC'd and stuff uh, at the the proper manufacturers is is an expense that, you know, I may not be able to soak up for much longer. <laughs> so I could probably do a run of 10, you know, with me paying the bill. But then after that, it would be, you know, let, let's do 10, see how it happens, see what happens. And if those 10, if we get there, then, you know, then that's a, a sign to move on, you know. You are creating stock though. You know what I mean? Or, you know, that's that's a good thing. It's not like you're, it's not like you're giving these things away eternally, forever, sort of thing. You, you know, they're still owned by yourself. And no, that's the uh, interesting thing, actually. I do wonder sometimes how long that will live. You know, like as you know, human, you're kind of yeah. creating, you're creating stock, and they live forever, don't they? It's like, well, what, what, what's? I mean, if, obviously, if I gave it to you, it'd be dead in a year. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, was, <laughs> I just don't know what that is. But as a, as a as a as a thing, you know, it's it's probably going to be around a lot longer than I am. Yeah. Oh yeah. Look, yeah, yeah. Leah Fender and people like that. I mean, yeah. Look at it's that. An, it's oh. an enormous legacy. It's amazing. Yeah. It's great. Mm. It's um. But you still need to um help me with this ellipsed <laughs> D neck. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, spice are known for that, aren't they? The, the wonky neck. I don't well, know. Yeah, I, th- yeah, I don't know. I think I'm not sure. It's well, it's a, a, ellipse, is, a, ellipse isn't wonky, though, is it? Oh, I don't know. You're asking the wrong person here. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That's just a word I've used. It's just a profile, right? It's just a profile. Yeah, it's just yeah. a D. It's a. It's a. Mod, it's so a, you have modern C, which is like that, which is like the Ibanez. Mm. Okay. And then a D, which is more like a telly. Yeah. Uh, and, and then an and ellipse it, D, which means it's just pushed. It's less at the bottom, more at the top. Yeah, mm. wonky. Wonky. <laughs> that is the technical. I need to find the right tool. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm more than happy to lend you the bass for a little while. Stay tuned. Oh, you still, you still got happen. it, have you? I'm, I can't. I've had it for years and years and years and years and years and years. And it's I, original Tobias. The original Tobias. I think it's, li- it's literally part of you, I suppose. It's, it's, I can't. And I've bought other ones. I've bought 15, 20 basses since. And every time I do get a gig or I get in a band. So it's pre Gibson. I panic. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. It's pre. It's proper Michael Tobias uh, created. And it's, and I even bought another one, um, which was actually older than it by two years, which is an immaculate condition, but it didn't feel or sound anything like it. it didn't, yeah, didn't, I, I'd have to, I'd have to study it. Yeah, I'd like, I'd like I'd to. Th- too, what you'd end up doing is finding Carl's DNA in this. <laughs> and I you, panic. You, 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 ring, you ring it out, and it smells of Carl. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually not an ellipse. It's a skin buildup. <laughs> <laughs> it's the I don't know and, and I don't know it's just I can't I, I'm a bit frustrated with it because I panic use it you know what I mean when I know if I've got an important show to do or, or a show to do even though I want to use all these other bases I've got I just go oh, no I'm just gonna I go back to that base every time every day of the week it's got oh, they're, they're... headstock snapped off been pinned um, it's got stuff the, the, the tuning you know the tone dials are all snapped off you know what I mean it's just Workhorse, yeah, absolute workhorse. But it's just that tone that well, I they're, they're need renowned, and that feel that I need. They're renowned for for it, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you hear a lot about the the modern Tobias and was it MLT MTD now, Kingston and all those ones. So the MTD is the actual proper one, but the Tobias is not in existence. That was Gibson bought them, I think. Gibson bought them out and shut them down, I think. Yeah, yeah, years ago. This is pre. All that when they were good because when I was a kid, I always remember thinking they were amazing. And then mm. when I was a bit older, could probably get one. I was like, oh, they're not very good now. Nah. Yeah, mm. that's it. Now there's some. I mean, ergonomics is a is a thing I'd like. You know, I talked about at the beginning about you know growing out of the ground. It's a combination with something that's natural growing out of the ground, but also that fits the body. Yeah, you know, it's the dream. But I can't get there. You know, I've really mm. tried, and the closest I've ever got is that. That Warwick, you know, the first time I held a Warwick. Yeah. And I was just like, holy wow. shit. <laughs> the weight, the, the the way it hugged my fat belly, you know, all that was just like, oh, man, this is it. This is and what was thing. that? That was a thumb? It was probably not, actually. It was probably no. a Corvette, but Corvette, yeah. the thumb was the one I wanted. And then yeah. it was the... Uh, the FNA and then it was the Affinity when the double humbuckers yeah. and they got a mad fortress mm. one and oh, oh yeah, it's yeah. crazy well the dolphins that's one the I dolphins cool yeah. Right? oh yeah yeah is that the one with the F hole yes I think they do so. Yeah. Yeah. so this Tobias of yours yes is it one of the first bases you had do you know what no first base I ever had but was, was... it the, was it one of the, was it a base that you really kind of progressed your technique on and became your first gigging base yes yeah because I have a, a 400 quid Yamaha yeah <clears throat> five, five string, string. 
You know, the black is it the yeah. BN BN models? Yeah, so something. They're great. Other. I don't even know what it is to be the honest. Yeah, fantastic. There's tons. There's dozens the, of the videos of you on YouTube yeah, using is, that. Yeah. <laughs> dozens. Um, the neck on that, I've I've always loved. Yeah. It's a four hundred. Quite Is it a five string? Yeah, it's quite thin. It's like. Yeah, we bought one. Um, we bought one when we we got a loan from the bank about ten grand loan in about ninety eight. We just went to the my uncle's shop and just spent the whole ten grand on <laughs> on a PA bass guitar, you know all this or, stuff. Oh, so when you say we, you're talking band, the not, band, not yeah. you and the wife. So, so, <laughs> so one one thing I didn't mention actually was when um, my uncle's shop in Birmingham, the, the the back of the shop was a guitar factory. It was right. uh, Patrick Eggle. I don't know if you remember the Patrick oh, yeah. Eggle instruments, mm. but um, they owned the shop. And the the main guy in Patrick Eggle was a guy called Trevor Wilkinson. Who made the tremolo and the the bridges and the, yes. the Wilkinson, Wilkinson trem? You still yeah. buy him? Is that still his gear? Is yeah. It? So, well, like... he was he worked for Patrick Eggle at the time, but uh, actually, it wasn't. It was um, Fretking. Yeah, they changed to Fretking, and Patrick Eggle had left and moved across the road. But I used to go to that factory, and he was great. He'd been there like with his cowboy boots on and the sawdust, and <laughs> but, but yeah, that was so I was exposed to that. And I remember looking in the bin. I'd go into the guitar factory. And there'd be a skip, and in the bin would be like bodies and necks. And I'm like, bin, <laughs> guitars, <laughs> what? They're mine. Yeah. Can I have what? You know, why are you throwing that away? You know, clearly it wasn't usable for whatever reason. But you know, there, there was that there was that connection as well, hmm. which was obviously significant. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just wondering whether our first real instrument shaped. Our hand shaped our technique and became what we expect an instrument to feel like. Definitely, because you're thinking about that, Tobias. I really do think about that about my 400 quid Yamaha. Yeah. Well, my my experience in guitar was a classical guitar, so thumb and fingers. It was no. the first thing I ever learned was thumb, dun dun. You know, first, yeah. second, third, boom, dun dun dun, boom, dun dun dun, boom, dun dun dun, and that is a flamenco technique. So just translated that, and even when I play guitar, like I always play that. I'd play it like a. Bass. Oh, but I mean, would, but with the the shape of the neck of the classical I'm not guitar, sure. is that is that what you become to learn as I, the shape no, of I the neck? No, I don't know. If, not necessarily. I think it's probably the technique that you learn from playing that instrument rather yeah. than the actual instrument. So the pain your hand goes through to <laughs> learn the <laughs> instrument from that shape. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Rather is, than the actual shape. I think I'm, I, this is it's the one bass I own that I can't remember where I got. It's weird. <laughs> it's really weird. Aliens. Was it Guinevere out yeah, the lake? Out, yeah, <laughs> well, you, you'd have, you probably wouldn't have got it. Not Guinevere. Who's the lady in the lake? I, I know why. I know why I got it because it's just the lady in the lake. <laughs> no, she has got a name. Uh, <laughs> Arthur. Oh, come to me. You wouldn't have got it from fret music, would you? No. 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 But it's, it's strange because I, I had. I got overpaid from Tesco's. I was doing night fill at Tesco's, I remember. And I got overpaid. It was two guys called Evans at Tesco's. And one guy... <laughs> oh, my God. This has, one guy... Ask me about fraud in a minute. I've got stories to tell you. <laughs> one guy... Oh, yeah. One guy worked a lot and one guy really didn't give a stuff. And the one who didn't give a stuff got the one guy who worked a lot's wages this particular Which month. Which probably you, Derek. Yeah, I got, the, I, got the, I got the wages. <laughs> so I went straight up to Tim Panelli and I bought my first Tobias which was a through-neck wine red stained thing. And I used that solidly for ages and ages and ages. And, um, and I loved it so much that when I saw the, oh, I can't remember where I got it from, but I bought the growl off the back of that Tobias. And it just, yeah, I just can't alleviate it to the point where we're getting a guy in 
who do, to do a podcast and I'm asking them to recreate <laughs> the neck. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So it's uh, embedded. Anyway, moving on, moving on. Ask me about fraud because I want to tell this story. Mm. <clears throat> do you know anything you, about fraud? Well, do, 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 do you know? Okay, so musicians who are listening, particularly those in the UK, if you are ever approached by a man called Mick Mason. Mick, Mick Mason. Mick, yeah, mama, M&M. Mick Mason, I um, seriously suggest that you run a mile. Or punch him in the throat. So Mick Mason, I'm, I'm my band Chic to Chic, we're a Chic tribute act. He approached us a little while ago saying um, he's a he runs another couple of bands that play theatres. His social media is very kind of convincing and he does play these theatres with his bands. <clears throat> and he came to us and said, you know, I really like your band. I can get you into theatres. All you need to do, it sounds like obvious when you hear it back. Like, oh yeah, of course. <laughs> All you need to do is just give me a deposit for the venue. I'll pass it onto the venue, pass it onto the venue to secure the booking. Yeah. And then you'll make the profit of the ticket sales. I'm like, oh, that sounds great. Yeah. We gave him three venues worth of deposits, which totaled eleven hundred pounds, um, and then um, and then never heard anything from him. No promo from the venues. We approached the venues and they said, "Oh, we haven't. We have no recollection. We have no uh, evidence that these gigs have ever been booked. We we have no eye. This is the third, first we've heard of it, basically." So of course, then we led us to discover he was just pocketing the money and not putting the gigs on. Yeah. Yeah, eleven hundred quid of our money, basically three different I'm bookings. Si- I'm sitting back and seething. <laughs> I'm seething. You doesn't, know what I mean? It just doesn't sound right, does it? Like, was he? Was there intent? No, no. His intent, his intent was basically to steal our money. Um, and then since then, I mean, Kelly put a very, uh, put, um, a very well worded post up on Facebook saying we are we're sorry for these people that have bought these tickets for these gigs. So people are buying tickets for the gigs, but he had also set up his own website. Um, as, a, as the ticket retail site, like the ticket seller. So people were buying tickets from him, personally from him, therefore bypassing the venue. The venue had no, knew nothing about it and he was also pocketing the money from the ticket sales. Oh, my God. So he was. So we put something up saying we are no longer working with Mick Mason. Um, it's probably not his name. That sounds... Mick Mason. I don't know. Yeah, it does sound a bit like... <laughs> it sounds a bit Pink Floyd, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, but since then, many other musicians and artists and um, bands have come come forth and said, we're in that, exactly the same position to the point where it's, hun- it's literally hundreds. Um, is he? Is it an actual person that you can? Target? We've met yeah. him. We've met him. He, his, his, he's. Um, we met him when he was part of a Queen band and part of a Take That tribute band, playing in Hangar Farm, which is like a mile and a half that way. Um, we met him. He came. He, he came and played in the venue. We met him. We talked about these gigs we were doing, how excited we were. And he said, "Yeah, he's really excited to do it too." Hasn't he gone as far as? Isn't he's obviously preying on musicians? He's found mm-hmm. out that musicians are. Yeah, quite trusting folk, and eager to get to the next level. We aspire to get to the next level, and you know, and it's so he's obviously figured this out for himself because he's probably possibly been there himself. That's like yeah. scraping the barrel when it comes to the people you rip off, though. Isn't yeah, it? it is really. Is. What a scum! Scumbag. Well, you, I mean, if you Google his name, Mick Mason, you'll find uh, yeah. an article in, Le- in the Leicestershire Herald where he was um, put his caravan up an Airbnb, took the deposit, and then cancelled the booking and not re- not offered the refund. And I think so it's like a really similar fraud, isn't it? Is a, similar, what, is and, it and isn't he selling musical equipment that doesn't exist <clears> as well? <throat> well, there's no proof of this, so we no, know, yeah. I need to add the word allegedly to that. Okay. But that's what people are saying, yeah. yeah. But Na- so he- I think there is a word for someone like him. Is it, it, narcissist. <laughs> <laughs> 
isn't it? Yeah. You know, someone that's just, he's obviously full of his self-importance where he feels like he can get away with anything. Yeah. Because he's done it in the past. Yeah. And that not feeling like you, you're, you're wrong um, is narcissism. Like there's just, uh, you just feel sorry for anyone that's connected to him well, on a personal level. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so I've seen him play a couple of times and in a room of very good bass players, I can say he's not very good in bass either. <laughs> and, I, and I really feel that that would hurt him more than so anything yeah, else. So yeah, is, he fat? is he fat? Mm. That's the normally one that hurts as well. <laughs> Is he a fat bass player? <laughs> Is he fat and ugly? But he's, a, he's in a Queen band and literally missed 70% of the notes. Oh, and okay. I am a huge Don, John Deacon Slug fan. I've written he, books about John Deacon. I know, I know the notes. Oh, so he's a bit sluggish on the yes. bass then. Yeah. yeah. Probably yeah, fat yeah. fingers. Yeah. <laughs> greasy or greasy. Ugly. Ugly, so, ugly fingers too. Anyway, that's my rant over. But basically, that's musicians sucks. who are listening, Mick yeah. Mason, Run Amar, because as far you know, I'm sure he's still... That's not. That's a stage name, though. It's a pseudonym, isn't it? So. Mick either, Mason. Mick Mason, either run a mile or fill him in. Mm. <laughs> uh, well, thank you. Thank you for joining us, Mark. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you back. Yeah, it's, it's been, been absolutely pleasure. pleasure to have you. Yeah, it's been great to be here. Um, and well, where can people find, find you? Really, Facebook at the moment. So... Yeah. Um, Jones Bases on Facebook is is the forum I'm using. Uh, kind of going through YouTube and Instagram as well, trying to get a bit of a following. But mm-hmm. um, Facebook seems to be getting the most traction. So okay. web- website in progress, but not currently live. Okay. So what do they type? What are they? Jones Bases? Yeah, Jones, okay. in a, in a really American way. So my stepdad, who's a bass player, saw the Jones Bases and said, "I think you spelt bases wrong." <laughs> I was like, "No, it's, I think it's American." B A S S E S. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, um, and so, um, yeah, like I said, it's an absolute pleasure to have you. Been amazing. Um, and Carl will be very thrilled to know it's come to that point in the evening where he's got right. Well, you turn to my performing monkey. Oh, lordy. <laughs> I used, do you know what? I used to have a crutch, which was a, a lyrical book of stuff that I'd written when I was in Australia and all this sort of create, just, you know, but I exhausted it like about 15 podcasts ago. So now, <laughs> now it's just make up stuff on the spot. We'll get there. Okay. All right. So, um, okay. So if I grab the guitar. Then needs a guitar. You need um, a guitar. So I grab the guitar. Okay. Are you going to grab the bass? Oh, okay. I'll grab the um, it's that moment where we play the chords, out, the outro song. We're thinking about compiling an album of these songs, aren't we? Yes, I would love to do that actually. Okay, and I would actually, I don't know how we do it, but there's been some great, <laughs> been some great stuff made up. <laughs> what? Do you remember Graham? Yeah, brought. I don't even know what machine that was. <laughs> it was just a crazy machine that he brought, and it was just like this sort of. Moogie boogie machines, yeah. all like that, and it was brilliant. <laughs> that needs to be a song. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, okay. So, uh, Carl is fancily. Go- what are you googling, Carl? Nothing. Okay. All right. <laughs> lyrics. <laughs> lyrics. <laughs> I'm actually going to type lyrics into Google. Thanks for thanks for listening, everybody, to the end. Um, I don't know who we've got next, but there will be someone in about five or eight months. <laughs> Lovely. Here we go. 
I don't own a frog. <laughs> and I ain't got no logs. I don't got a toilet. I got a bog. So don't you kick my dog. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> I wonder where that's going. <laughs> oh, lordy. I ain't got no pigs, I got a hog. Because <laughs> <laughs> I can't live. How many dog. Snog? Snog, snog, alright. <laughs> I don't kiss. I just snog. <laughs> Brad Pitt. <laughs> John Wick. He had a dog. Don't kill John Wick's dog. Don't even kick John Wick's dog. <laughs> It's like Tom Waits, so I don't know what's going on here. Alright, take it away then. Here we go. Don't kick my dog. 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 Don't kick my dog.